Your brother has taken control Shoveling dirt in every hole Predators to condemn your soul Watching you and watching me We're all connected but separated Misunderstood and so frustrated A million armies of one have invaded Watching you and watching me To make headlines be immortalized Everyone's got an electric eye with the digital spies Democratized by a boyer obsessions Watching you and watching me Slips to perfection Don't let them project you as you
The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this broadcast or podcast without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. Atop the mountains of British Columbia, to you, listening around the world, this is Spaced Out Radio with host Dave Scott. You can follow us on our website. SpacedOutRadio.com on iTunes and TuneIn. Follow Dave on Twitter at SpacedOutRadio.com on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show or on our YouTube channel Spaced Out Radio Show. Game on! Game on! Game on! Dave, oh Dave, are you playing with Bigfoot and aliens again? Password is. All right, all right, all right. Okay, seriously, what's with the points? Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff. <laughs> seriously, Dave? Really? Bye. Bye bye. Captain, take your seat on my left. It's time for takeoff. Welcome to Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. It's good to have you along for the ride wherever you are in this fine planet. 
we like to call Earth. Yes, we arrive right here, right now in Uncle Jimbo's cabin, right here in the Great White North on this Monday night, early Tuesday morning, if you are on the East Coast. Let's welcome in everyone listening in on SpacedOutRadio.com, on Spreaker, on the United Public Radio Network, the High Plains Talk Radio Network, and on Revolution Radio as we do this thing every night of the week, rocking in and out of every single show. Thanks to our resident guitar god, Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy. Yes, Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Hey, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. You can follow me on Instagram, Dave Scott, S-O-R. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Find us on TuneIn, download this show and others on iTunes. We are also on TalkStream Live, RadioGuide.fm, and on Stitcher. And our website is SpacedOutRadio.com. While there, if you want to take part in this show, you do have to sign into one of the chat rooms because that's just the way it goes around here. Sometimes it just works that way. So you got to sign into Revolution Radio. You have to sign in to Spreaker, the United Public Radio chat room. Facebook at the SOR Space Travelers Club. And of course, if you're on Twitter, you can use hashtag Spaced Out Radio. I will get to your questions and comments in there as well. If you haven't signed up for the SOR Space Travelers Club yet, it is only $5 a month. And with that, your name gets put into monthly prize draws. You get access to private group interviews, access to a special section for posting on our website, and so much more. Hey, we're going to give you a hell of a lot more than just access to our archives. You can read up on my latest blog on our website. It is literally on science versus opinion. Check out Eric Markham's SOR Spacewire for your latest weird news. We're actually going to be changing that name to The Encounter very, very soon. And if you've had an experience you just can't explain, head on over to our website, fill out an SOR Sightlines Report. Our researcher, Mike Schmidt, is ready to find out what's going on with you. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on Revolution Radio. It is a double R machine, and it's the largest online nonprofit radio station going. Do us a favor, head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. We're also live on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us. And we are live in Las Vegas. Renegade Talk Radio. Love being the nighttime show of Sin City. The final Monday of every month means it's time for Strange Days with UFO Cops Butch Witkowski. Butch is a longtime investigator of the paranormal, especially when it comes to cryptids and UFOs with a little bit of alien contact thrown in on the side to add a little bit of spice. The research is hard work, and it's about finding answers to those questions that people are suffering with because of an experience they just can't explain. And for any researcher of Butch's stature, that's the hardest part. Trying to find the answers to questions traumatized people have. There's nothing worse in life than not getting answers to the questions that people have, especially when they've experienced something supernatural. Butch and his team are a 24-hour team, ready to respond to any and every type of paranormal event. It's a tough job, and while Butch may be closer to retirement age than most in this field, he's not slowing down, because finding the answers to what's going on keeps the drive alive and the passion for the chase going on a daily basis. Butch Wachowski, welcome back to Space Out Radio. How are you, my friend? 
I'm fine. Glad to be back. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, my friend. I am doing all right. You know, I had a good shower this morning. My hair looked good. So I am ready for you, my friend. I even wore a tie. Now, I'm wearing flip-flops and shorts, but I have a tie on. That's excellent. Bow tie or just a long tie? Just a long tie. Clip on. Clipped onto my T-shirt. Hmm, very nice. Is that from the old police days? You still got the clip on? <laughs> no, that's just pure laziness. <laughs> my wife ah. said to me, and I said, don't forget you're on radio tonight. I said, yeah, I know. And she says, you need to shave. Yes, because oh. we're, all, we're, we're all going to see that. We're all going yeah. to see that. You know. I just looked at her, I just looked at her, walked away, and then she realized what she said. Well, you know, that's see, that's why I have a face for radio, my friend. I often get asked by a lot of people, geez, why aren't you doing this on Facebook Live or on Stitcher or something like that? And the way I look at it, man, I got into radio for a reason. I'm not pretty, first and foremost. <laughs> I'm not pretty. So that that's that that one hurts, you know. But I, I'm man enough to admit that. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm on radio for a reason, and that's because I don't like the camera, and the camera don't like me. For most people, you know, they say the camera adds about ten pounds. Well, for me, it's about twenty-five to thirty, and I'm not I'm not appreciative <laughs> of that. Okay. <laughs> well. It's the truth, so why not just spill it out, right? So, anyhow. Anyhow, how's the world of cryptids been treating you? Uh, cryptids, a uh, couple new ones, and um, a couple other things. Busy, as always. Um, at the point now where um, I'm even dragging Lon Strickler along from Fanage and Monsters. Oh, yeah? And how's Lon it started, doing? I, I, well, Don, oh, he's doing great. You know, the guy is just brilliant. I love him to death. I mean, he's so knowledgeable. And what he doesn't know, he'll find out. He'll research it to the end, which is far and few between today, you know. And um, uh, I, I don't even know if I mentioned this case. Uh, I had a case uh, not far from here where I live, uh, about seven miles away. Um, and the gentleman, the original report was that he saw a... Um, was seeing orbs at night with helicopters following them. And the night before Christmas, he calls me up at midnight and says, they're here now. Head down. And I saw what he was talking about. No kidding. We stood there and watched, and pretty much after a while, after four hours of standing in the snow, it was like, I'm really not dressed for this. Because when I took out of the house, I just threw on a pair of clogs and, you know, a shirt and a light jacket like an idiot. But um, so that a couple of weeks went by, and then um, he called me again, and he said that he had seen strange things in the back of the farm. It's a very large farm. And I said, okay, um, let me know when you see him. He said, well, we saw him last night. I said, okay, I'll be down. Uh, is everybody there I can talk to? Yep, all the witnesses are here. So what they saw were, in their description, was um, shadows. Uh, six to be exact that kind of surrounded them and then went away and I went like okay so he's out back showing me where they were standing and uh, and there's a it's, like I said it's a very large farm they just built one of these 
huge chicken barns. They're like two, three hundred feet long, and I guess they raise from the embryo. They raise up to chick. Then they sell the chicks, I guess. And uh, it's really um, only under construction. The walls are up. It's uh, wood framing, uh, loom siding. It's got a few doors and windows, but it's huge. It's just huge. I can't imagine how many chickens are going to be in that thing. And he says, well, he says, we were standing here, and he's talking, and I'm kind of looking around, and something caught my eye at the peak of the roof to my right-hand side, and I'm about, at that point, maybe 30 feet away from the building. And I'm looking at it, and I said, you see anything? And he's looking around, he says, yeah, up at the peak of the roof on, on, to your right. I said, mm-hmm, I see it. And what I saw was, and this is crazy to describe, but I just don't have a better description. It is a distortion. And it was a very dark night, no stars, minuscule moonlight. But behind that new barn, there is um, a row of homes about a half a mile away. And they all had their, you know, their outdoor lights on, you know, which gave it a kind of a backlight. And that's what caught my eye. And I watched this, whatever it was, distortion, and it was moving, and it um, kind of started to move to my left and then just wasn't there anymore. And I said, is that what you saw? He says, well, not exactly. He said, it was more shadowy, said, but, and it looked like it had, you know, some kind of form. I said, well, that had no form. And then I spied another one out of the corner of my eye, and again, I didn't say anything to him to see if he would see it because I didn't want to put anything in his head. And I said, do you see anything else? And he said, yeah, I do, right in front of the door. And that's exactly where I saw it. And, and now it didn't have this, it was still the distortion, but the distortion wasn't like crouched down or low to the roof line. It was more mm, upright and um, um, about 5'8", five, 5'7". And uh, it didn't go anywhere. And again, after a, a little bit, it just went away too. So um, we went from there. Nothing else happened. And I, you know, it was fresh snow, so I got a light and looked around. There was no footprints or anything like no disturbance up on the snow on the roof or anything like that. And I thought, well, I saw something, but I don't know what it is. And you know, I told Lon about it and. You know, he rummaged through some cases for me, uh, but they always seem to have a form or a shape. And this, again, was no form, no shape. It just looked like a distortion. It wasn't, it was there, but it wasn't. Um, I could see through it. I could see the lights on the houses. Uh, I could, when it was standing in front of the door, I could see the door. Um, and I guess... One other thing I guess I could say is close to, not exactly, but close. If you're driving down a real hot highway and you see the heat coming off the off the off the macadam, um, that type of distortion, like you, you can see through it, but you can't. So um, I said I'd you know get back to him. Uh, came back, wrote up a report. I, I I tried to contact him. I couldn't reach him. Couldn't reach him. Couldn't reach him. And uh, he basically fell off the planet. And then we did locate him, So, and it was of a personal nature, which I'm, I don't even want to get into, but he's totally out of the picture. But the gentleman that is the landlord there, um, a real nice guy, 
I said, do you mind if I come down and sit here and talk to you and see if I can wait around and see if this happens again? And he said, sure. So I went outside. I did an EMF sweep of the barn. Uh, the barn's empty. There's nothing in it. Like I said, there's only the walls are up. The roof is on. A few windows are in. A couple doors are hung, but that's about it. There's, there's no concrete on the floor yet. Um, there's no electric. There's no lighting or anything like that. So I did an EMF sweep and a radio frequency sweep, and I didn't come up with anything but, you know, residual. So got a hold of Lon, and uh, yesterday Lon, his son, met me, and, and uh, we went down there. And I took along thermal imaging camera because pretty much nothing hides from thermal imaging, right? So it was daylight when we got there. I showed Lon exactly where I saw it the first time and then where I saw it the second time. And then we went and we were talking to the gentleman there and um, it started to get dark. And I said, well, maybe we should go out now. And it was a beautiful, clear night. I mean, absolutely clear. Lots of stars, lots of moonlight. It was just a perfect night for a star watch, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, we weren't there for that, so I fired up the um, thermal imaging. I checked the ground. The ground temperature was 55 degrees, and then Lon walked down to the door, and he was about, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 feet away from the door, right directly in front of it, and I um, hit the roof line uh, where I saw it the first time, and I got a hit, and there was this um, cold, very cold, um, 25 degrees, and I moved down to the barn. The barn was like 48 because we had a lot of warm weather, so we got warm. The ground still warm. I hit the ground again. It was 55. Went back up to that. It stayed at 25. It's not moving, but it's there. Got the picture. Moved up to the toward the door area on the roof, and uh, there was nothing. I saw Lon standing there, so I checked him. Checked the ground, 55. Checked Lon. He was 68. Moved straight up from Lon, and there it was on the roof. And the temperature fluctuated there between 25 and 27. So at that point, I realized I wasn't crazy. Uh, Lon's son was along, so he was looking at it also. Then we called Lon back, and I said, well, there you go. Exactly where I said they were, only this one that was on the ground is now up on the roof. And, you know, Lon just looked at me like, oh, what the hell is that? And I'm going, I don't know. <laughs> so uh, got that shot, and then we kind of hung around. And then across the field, uh, and when I say across the field, it's like sits between two mountain mountain ranges. Uh, one side is a lot of homes and commercial. That's behind the home, behind the farm. And in the front of the farm across the field is probably about um, not quite a half a mile. There's uh, a power line and just a, like four houses on top of that ridge. But if you go to the right, it takes you into state game land, so there's no homes in there, of course. And there's this blue light that just comes out of nowhere at the bottom of this power line. And I did drive over there. I saw it before, and I did drive over there at daytime. There are no blue lights over there. There's no lights. It's just a, it's a field. And uh, so um, uh, we're going to go back when it's a little warmer, and we're going to set up um, CCTV uh, cameras, uh, night vision, and, again, thermal imaging, and... Um, just keep it on it and see what we can record, see if they actually do move or if they appear or disappear. Very interesting. Hey, I'm going to give you a quick phone call right back, Butch. We've lost the Revolution radio feed. I'm going to try and get that back here. So bear with me for about a minute, and I'm going to try and uh, get on there, okay? So give me two okay. seconds. I want to try because I, I know I'm getting a lot of buzz from our fans over on Revolution Radio wondering where we are, okay? So hold on two seconds, and I'll call you right back. Okay. 
All right. Sorry about that, our listeners here on Space Out Radio. But, you know, we do have listeners on a bunch of different feeds, and we have to try and make sure that we get all of them. So I'm going to try this again, and let's see if we're actually going to hook up because Skype sometimes just does not want to play games, and I don't think this is happening again. You know what? Today has been a serious, serious case of the Mondays. So I'm going to say hell with that, and we're just going to continue on rolling here because I don't have time to waste. I'm going to try it one more time, and I know you guys don't have time to waste, but this Skype garbage is... Here we go. Oh, we're actually connected to Revolution Radio. Look at that. Look at that. My goodness. We might actually be working here. All right, we're going to add in Butch Wachowski once again from UFORCOP.com. You're going to hear a little bit of a ringing sound here because that's what Butch does. And, you know, maybe I'll just turn that off right now so that way you guys can't hear the ringing because the ringing is annoying. There we go. Hey, we got you, Butch. Thank you for that. I do apologize for the technical difficulty there. Oh, no problem. Yeah. So... We're finally back up on running on Revolution Radio. Thank you so much for your patience. And Butch, right before the break, you were telling, talking about this anomaly that you were that you were getting. And I'm wondering, what do you think it was? Do you think it was something paranormal? Do you think it was something a little bit more mysterious than that? I, I think it's something a little bit more mysterious than that. Because, like I said, the first time I saw the distortions I, I had no devices it was plain eyesight um, and then when I went back the, sec, the, the actually the third time when I went back to the property yesterday using thermal imaging I went exactly to where I saw them before and the one at the at the top of the uh, the roof was there and but it wasn't moving like it and maybe that was the thermal imaging maybe uh, when I saw it with the naked eye, it, it, it was moving a little bit, left and right and left and right, and it kind of slowly went to to my left and then vanished. And then the other one, which was on ground level, um, it was, um, uh, like I said, like five foot, maybe five, eight in, in, in being tall. But again, it was just a distortion. I mean, I could see right through it just like I could see the other one. But when I went with the night vision, uh, not night vision, but the thermal imaging, it was above the door on the roof. And again, it was much larger, uh, probably twice the size of the other one at the other end of the roof. And um, I, I guess what we have to do now is really, you know, dig down and, and do a lot of research on that property. Uh, what was there? Uh, we do know that uh, that was Susquehanna Indian area, area uh, all through that valley. Um, so, uh, now it's the deep research for the property and, you know, what's going on and maybe, and just throwing that out there, if it is something in that realm, then, um, maybe when the, uh, construction started, it got into something that it shouldn't have, or, you know, didn't know about. And that has caused, uh, something, but, um, the ones that the people were surrounded by, they had said that they it was a definitely they definitely had a shape and a form, 
and they were like shadows. They couldn't see through them. They were very dark, almost like a dark gray. And uh, that was six witnesses. So um, we are where we are with that, except now for going and trying to find out what all we can about the property. The home that's on that property was built in 1859. So um, it's going to take a little digging to get back and see you know what was there before that was that was that indian area was that indian burial ground was that uh um and related to any of the uh powwow uh in the amish and mennonite communities you know that's that's all has to be researched now but at least i know i'm not crazy what i saw the first time i actually saw the second time with thermal imaging in exactly the same place Questions for coming from our audience. Was there any noise made? Was it seen in the daylight? Maybe any portals around? Uh, not seen in the daylight. Uh, both times were seen at night. Uh, like I said, the first time was a very clear, bright, uh, moonlit night. Uh, I'm sorry, very dark, non-moonlit light. This last night was very bright, moonlit, starry sky, the whole bit. Um, and like last night, when I looked and looked for them before I turned on the imager, I didn't see them at all, either one of them. But when I turned on the imager, hit it right away on both of them. So in your best guesstimation, what do you think you were dealing with? Oh, God, it could be anything from, you know, the, uh, the guardians of the Indian burial grounds or the Susquehannock's history is really violent. I mean... It's even been thrown out there that they were they would eat the the, the leader of their captors, you know, cannibalism, um, and um, so you know. Besides what we're going to do research wise, we have a couple of folks that are looking into it um, that you know have that psychic intuitive uh, type background to see if they can come up with anything. Um, but there's really nothing there. I mean, it's a building. It's it's very long. It's a one-story building. It's brand new, uh, and there's a huge mound of dirt off to the left. Now, when they scraped that to level that off to start the building, did they get into something, and it's in that pile, the, the huge mountain of dirt that's there? I don't know. I, I just, we don't have enough uh, background uh, to start to put at least something together. And... Um, but it's just weird. I, I just can't describe what I saw. I mean, the best, the best thing I come up with, it was like a distortion. And I don't mean like um, the movie Predator where, you know, he was um, cloning, you know, in and out. Um, you can make up, there is no shape. It's, it's just a mass, a distortion of a mass. And the one is smaller. Um, and it was, again, in that same position where it was, looked like it was crouched down. Uh, and the other one, which was standing up uh, on the first sighting, visual sighting, uh, through the imager last night, it was on top of the roof. And it looked like it was, mm, I'm going to say laying down, uh, you know, because, but the length was about the same. And I, uh, I, I just, I, I have no idea what it is. I've never seen anything like it. I can't find anything about anything like that. Uh, shadow people, yeah, by the thousands. But this is not a shadow. It's a distortion. It's just like um, there's something there. You can see that there's something there. You can't make out what it is. You can see through it. 
there is movement, but you can't discern what it is. And, well, I'll tell you, it's a first-class headache and a shot of scotch. Is it causing any sort of disturbances on the site? Um, One of the original witnesses said that um, he saw something similar to the shadow uh, in his room, and when he went to turn the lights on at the other end of the room, a light switch, a, a light at the other end of the room got knocked off of a table onto the floor and busted. When he turned on the light, it wasn't there. That's the only thing inside the home. Uh, as far as stuff in the sky, yeah, I, I've had, since 2013, I've had five reports and, and some pictures of triangles in the sky over that area. So, again, we looked for the orbs last night to come over that mountain, you know, and go to the other mountain, which the, the, they did the very first time, but they didn't. we didn't see any orbs at all. Lots of planes flying last night, a lot of high stuff, a lot of satellites, but no no orbs. Um, and I only seen those the first time I was there. And the second time I was there uh, is when I saw the um, the distortions, and then last night we saw them again uh, on the um, imager. But uh, for the love of it, I have no idea what I'm even looking at. It's just It's just strange, it's weird, but it's there. That's one thing with thermal imaging uh, to all those uh, hunters out there looking for Bigfoot or anything else. Nothing hides from thermal imaging. Nothing. If it's there, thermal imaging will pick it up because of the heat and the cold. And uh, that's why I did the test of the ground to get the temperature of the ground. You know, the temperature of Lon when he was standing there and the temperature of the walls and this and the other thing. And then when I went up to that and put the target on that, the temperature was 25 degrees. Now, 55 to 25, that's a large drop in temperature. And it's only a one-story building, so that, you know, and I didn't hit the side of the building, I mean the side of the home at the second story, which is actually higher than the um, the um, chicken barn. And um, that was much warmer. That was uh, 44, 45, I believe. So um, then when I hit the second, uh, the second distortion, um, that one was ranging from 25, but it was changing 25 to 27, 25, 27. Never went under or over those two numbers in temperature. And very visible. I got to tell you, this sounds eerily familiar to where I had my first paranormal experience between 1994 and 1996. I worked as a hockey instructor in a training facility. And this building was carved out of the side of a hill. And I'll tell you, the paranormal activity around there was absolutely freaky. And some of the stories, Butch, that we had coming out of there, it was one pissed off spirit when we were working there. And it reminded me, when you said that that pile of dirt, maybe something got moved in there, it it reminded me of that building because they would have had to have cleaned out tons of piles of dirt. Mm-hmm. We There was everything going on from, you know, seeing people standing out of the corner of your eye through the, through the glass, standing up in the viewing area. You turn your head, there's nothing there. We had one toilet like this is a brand new building but one toilet in the facility would constantly explode 
you would clean it up and there would be feces all over the place. All Like, it was a small bathroom. You open up the door, there's the sink, there's the toilet, that's it. And feces would blow up everywhere. I remember one time I, I cleaned that up for about four hours, disinfected everything. My boss calls me up the next morning and said, I told you to clean that bathroom. There was nothing that it looked like I did nothing. You know, I remember one time my cousin and his girlfriend were there and we were, I was hurrying up because we were going out to, to the local nightclub afterwards to go have a beer. And I'll tell you, the one thing when you work in a hockey rink long enough, Butch, the sound of hockey pucks hitting plexiglass is a very distinct sound. Mm-hmm. So here we are cleaning up the dressing rooms. The front door of the building is locked. There's not a soul besides us three in there. And all of a sudden we hear hockey pucks rattling off the glass. Mm. Footsteps. You know, you're cleaning upstairs. You got the door locked. And all of a sudden you hear the front door unlock and footsteps coming up the stairs and nothing is there. So I am a huge believer, huge believer, that something, if you disturb pieces of land that maybe have bodies or spirits or something connected to that, you're, you're in for a plethora of activity as you go along. So this doesn't surprise me at all, hearing what you're saying. Well, I, I guess to me it's very confounding because I, I've never seen anything like that. And the fact that I stared at it for so long trying to get its shape and I couldn't, I couldn't discern any shape whatsoever. And I don't want to make it sound like a blob. It, it, it looked to me like if I, if I would have been really far away, maybe looking through binoculars or something, it might have looked like somebody crouching down on the roof, you know, but not. It didn't look that way when I was close up. It, it just was uh, not a three-dimensional image. It was a, uh, uh, an image of absolutely nothing. It was just that that section that little section on the roof and it wasn't the roof that was distorted it was whatever was on that peak of the roof that was distorted the roof was fine even with the uh, thermal imaging last night the section of the, which i didn't see with naked eye but with the thermal imaging uh the roof line you know should show up on thermal imaging is a perfectly straight line going across and it did till it got to that distortion then it distorted a very little bit and then got straight again. And then when it went over to the second one, it, uh, it was straight. And then it distorted a little bit. And then after it passed that point, then it was straight again all the way to the end. And uh, it's, it, 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 it's just been blowing my mind. I, I, I just don't know what I'm even looking at. Um, like I said, I, I've done some research, you know, from the last time. Uh, which was a week ago, and uh, it, it didn't do anything out of the ordinary, but it was just there, and then it went away. Now, last night, with the thermal imaging, it didn't go away. I mean, I put the thermal imager down a couple times and put it back up, and it was still there. So whatever it is, it's there. It, it doesn't go away. Maybe when I saw it the first time with the naked eye, um, it, you know, maybe changing in light or I don't know, anything, I didn't pick up on it the second time. But 
last night with the thermal imaging, those images were there when we left. Were they just and on the roof? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right on the peak of the roof. That is odd. Yeah. Do you uh, have a video camera hooked up to your thermals that anybody could see the pictures? It's uh, their stills. And um, I'll be uh, pulling those probably tomorrow and looking at them and blowing them up, you know, doing all that stuff. See what I can see if I can get anything in in uh, with uh, a few different tricks from um, Photoshop. But uh, uh, it's just <laughs> honest. It's just like looking at a, 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 a see-through blob. And it's just there's nothing, no shape, no form. Um, and a very quiet, no noise. We heard no noise. Um, and like I said, the week before that, I did the uh, I did the walk around with EMF detector and a radio frequency detector to see if it was maybe something generating through the through the building. And um, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Everett was wondering if you think this may relate to the alien shadow people case you talked about last month. It could, sure. I mean, it could be anything. I, 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 you know, I can only say what I saw, and that it, it does show up on thermal imaging. That that it does, and um, but you know, thermal imaging is expensive. There's no messing around with that. I mean, it, it's very expensive equipment, and a lot of people can't afford it or don't just don't need it. But you know, thermal imaging to me is like the prime piece of equipment to have because nothing hides from it. Nothing. You got something between the trees, and you put thermal imaging on it, and the trees are all nice and cool, and you got a hot spot. There's something there, and it works in the reverse, you know. And um, you know, with these thermal imaging today, uh, when you before you do what you're going to do with it, I mean, you check the ground, you check yourself, you can check your car, you can check the engine, you can check anything you want. Just point the target at it and, and push the button, and you're ready to go. And uh, but that temperature drop. From 55 degrees to 25 degrees, that really bugs me because how can that be? You know, you're only like, I don't know, maybe from the ground to the peak, probably 16 feet maybe. And you shouldn't have have that. And I should have picked it up on the house if if that was a thermal, you know, cold air thermal. I should have picked it up at the house. Also, I should have picked it up on my truck because my truck is high. So my truck stayed constantly the same temperature and was only a little bit uh, uh, below the house level, which was actually, that level was above the, the barn. So it's perplexing. Uh, this one's going to take some time, I'm afraid. But it could be anything. It could be anything from, you know, something indigenous to something not of this planet. <laughs> but I just can't imagine why. Or, or it could be, you know, you know what powwow is in in the Amish and Mennonite communities. Yeah, maybe somebody put a hex on this guy. I don't know. So if he opens up for business, uh, I believe they're going to pour concrete in the next month or two for the floor, and then all the equipment starts to come in. So if the business only lasts six months and he goes broke, well, then we'll know that somebody didn't like that idea. Well, you know, the best thing I would say is try and get a hold of a psychic to see if anything is going on there that maybe you can bring 
you know, to the forefront, maybe bring some sort of communication. I mean, to me, it sounds more paranormal that there's more of an upset spirit from the ground being dug up and maybe not enough acceptance. You know, you know, we always hear about these spirits, Butch, where, you know, they get upset because nobody took the time to, you know, just kind of ask around. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, I know for a lot of people or a lot of skeptical people out there, that'll sound just contrived and hokey. But there's a lot of people out there who are very much into the spirit world who will tell you point blank that if you're building something new, it never hurts to go around to the property and just say, hey, this is what I'm doing. I hope I hope you don't mind, but this is what's going to happen, and you know, you're welcome to come and say hello or something along those lines. Yet... Most people being very mainstream, they never look at that. They never think about that, and that's not their fault. But it's the consequences still that they got to deal with. Mm. Yeah, and and we do have a couple psychics working on it. Um, it is um, something I've never run into before uh, at all. I, I've never seen anything like it, or I've never even talked to anybody seen anything like it. Um, I've, I've talked to a number of people about it, and they all go like, mm, I have no idea what it is. So um, I just don't think it's something that's uh, remotely new or this just popped up. This is the first time ever this happened. Um, uh, and and i got to find out why the attachment, I mean, it's not attaching itself to any place else. I checked all the other outbuildings on the property with our imaging, checked the house. I mean, checked everything I could that was in sight. And um, uh, the only place that they've settled or that those uh, distortions are seen are on top of the um, the chicken barn, the new chicken barn. Mm, very interesting and why, indeed. And why is there two? I mean, they're two. They're distinct, too, because... Uh, when I uh, I can focus the wide angle on that thermal imaging, and I had the one on the right in sight, and I had the one on the left in sight. Were they moving so, back and forth? No, they. There's. It's like. Um, I guess the word I'm looking for is. Uh, shimmer, maybe. Uh, but very slight. Wow. Yeah, that's what I said. Wow. Oh, I don't even know how to deal with that. Yeah, neither do I. You know, I definitely get the feeling it's more so paranormal than anything right now. Um, I think that part and the um, the background of the property itself, and this only started when the building went up, and there was no no issues there ever, ever. Uh-huh. And then. Um, ground uh, was leveled and uh, you know they, um, a, a wooden building goes up quick I mean you know a frame building goes up quick and uh, the siding and the roof and then they stopped because of the cold weather and stuff they couldn't pour concrete and they're still waiting for a ton of equipment so um, that's when the original six witnesses saw what they saw in the back and um uh, of these being surrounded by these dark gray entities, and then 
when I was there, I really wasn't there to do anything about that. I mean, I walked out back to where he said it happened, but that wasn't anywhere near the um, barn. And then we walked toward the barn, and that's when I saw the first one. And again, I didn't say anything to him. I wanted him to see it also and tell me he saw it because I didn't want to put anything in his head. And you know how that goes. Yes, I do. And, um, and then I just, you know, I kept watching the one out on the right, uh, and it just went away. And then I started going down the roof line, thinking maybe it was moving along the roof line. And then that's when I spotted the second one on ground level. But it couldn't have been on ground level or been anything. Uh, of any substance because there were no footprints there was no disturbance in the snow and it was fresh snow and um, so at this point Scott I have no clue (laughs) well I did something on the weekend that I think is very much contrived from what we did on the last show Butch and that was the last time we had you on we talked a lot about critics we talked a lot about you know how people are very fickle in this field mm-hmm. and i wrote a blog on spaceoutradio.com which is up there now if you want to go listen to the show and read it at the same time not you butch because that would be kind of difficult but it was basically about science versus opinion mm-hmm. and how we have a lot of people in the cryptid world, in the paranormal world, in the UFO world, who tend to use the word science a lot, and scientific a lot. Yet, I guess one of the things I'm getting pissed off at with this show is that I'm I'm starting to see that we have a lot of of people out there who are doing some great work and there are some brilliant people in these fields however with a lot of them they seem to get lost in this word called science and yeah. just because they don't believe it it it's not true and they present their opinion as scientific fact how does anybody in our listenership, or around this type of field, albeit maybe an experiencer, a listener to shows like this, or an investigator, get around the fact, Butch, that we have too many people out there claiming their opinion is fact. Where's the truth? Well, <laughs> the truth is the truth is only in one place, and that always lies in the evidence. I mean. Uh, I could have gotten on here tonight and said, yep, Scott and your listeners and all you guys out there and, and uh, you space walkers all over the place, I, I know exactly what this was. And I can concoct some fantastic story that they were men from the moon or uh, some cryptids that are shapeshifters or on and on and on and probably get away with it because I use some scientific instrument of some type. But... <laughs> When it comes down to it, you're always going to have some butthole like me stand there and go like, okay, let me see the evidence. Show me what you got. And then either you never hear from them again or they just move on. But I would rather have somebody online or call me or email me and say, 
this is what I see, this is what I got, I don't know what it is, can you put me in the right direction, or can, could, can you tell me what I should be looking for, what I should research for, or are there other cases that you may be aware of, uh, you know, on and on and on. I'll spend whatever time I need to get that person on the right track. But when I have somebody get a call at 10 o'clock in the morning, and I just had this happen, where uh, a lady called a national group, and it wasn't MUFON, it was, just, it was in, in the encrypted area, and re- made a report and um, showed them uh, a couple photographs. And she said, I don't know what it is or what they are or what, you know, what I'm even looking at. Can you, uh, you know, take a look at it and, like, what is it? And tells the whole story of how the picture was taken. And uh, within a matter of pretty much less than 30 minutes, oh, it was nothing. We looked at it. It's just, uh, it's just your eyes playing tricks on you. That was the investigation. That was the investigation. Now, if anybody should be frog-marched out and thrown in the water, these are the guys. And um, then somewhere along the line, they must have asked this lady, uh, uh, reg- something about payment. Because when I called her the first time, she said, do you charge anything? And I said, absolutely not. No, never. And she said, oh, well, that's good. So did these guys ask for money? And if she would have said, yeah, she'd pay money, they, they would continue on. Or when she said, no, she's not going to pay to get something analyzed uh, just by somebody looking at it, uh, they blew her off. And there's more of that out there than you can even imagine. And it's just, it's, um, you know, oh, and, uh, you know, of course, they always throw that, well, we use scientific methods to... Uh, discern this picture and see what it means and what it looks like uh yeah they probably put it on their uh page and on the computer and blew it up maybe 50 to 100 percent and that's it they're done that was the scientific move and and i guess the way i look at it butch is Everybody in this field, whether it's a big name like Stanton Friedman or it's a smaller name whoever that may be who's investigating for, say, the last six months, and everybody in between, you and I included, we all want the mainstream to take this type of investigation, this type of research seriously. Mm-hmm. But I guess my opinion on this is how do we take it seriously or how can we ask the mainstream people to take it seriously and not make fun of people like us? when we continue to shoot ourselves in the foot by claiming science is opinion. Well, that's just it. It has to stop. I mean, getting a great story or a great case or a great whatever is fine if you can come up with an answer to it. Like, this this thing we're working on now is just one of about 20 right now that are driving us nuts. But so if we never come up with anything, so what did we have? I mean, we had a good story. We got a couple photos. We got some eyewitness testimony. But I don't know what they are. I don't know where they came from. Um, The only scientific tools that I had at my disposal were an EMF detector, uh, a um, radio frequency detector, and uh, uh, regular cameras plus uh, thermal imaging. So 
that's as far as I can go with it, unless I come up with something really weird, like, you know, that was some ancient, you know, uh, uh, cauldron where they used to burn people alive and cut their hearts out and throw them up in the air. And if I had that proof, well, then it makes the story a little bit more interesting. There's a little bit more proof. But then to do it right, you wouldn't go on the Internet. You would get, you would do a white paper and present all your facts, photos, whatever evidence you have, and submit that to not just one or two places, submit it to many places. And um, for everybody from archaeologists to uh, uh, science, uh, physical science, uh, uh, and see what happens. But if nobody's willing to do that, if they're not willing to put their name at the bottom of that page with all the information they've gathered and send it to somebody that will really look at it, you might as well just turn it over to the Internet to their peers and everybody goes like, yay, that's pretty cool, or boy, does that suck. <laughs> uh, nobody will ever take this seriously as long as the people in the field aren't being serious about it. The, the, giggle, factor, the giggle factor will always be there until somebody does it the right way and puts everything out they have, doesn't keep anything in their sleeve, and um, gets a peer review on it by people that, you know, do it for a living. I mean, they're scientists. They do that for a living. That's their job. Uh, I'm not a scientist. I'm just an investigator and a researcher. And uh, it's that the only, that's the only thing that's going to stop it. I mean, either get serious about it or, you know, go become a chess king or something or play hockey or baseball. Don't be knocking hockey. The NHL trade deadline's tomorrow, and I'm... Gonna about to geek out on that. Oh no! Oh no! I'm one of them. I'm one oh of them. no! Oh yes, my god! You know, I've been to. I, I've probably been to about eight hockey games in my life, and I always walk in with this. Oh god! Do I got to sit through this? And I'm the very first one jumping up in the air. Hit him! Hit him! <laughs> I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> and you I know, don't know about hockey. <laughs> you know what? A lot of people uh, rip the game, especially south of the border, because it's just not very understood. But I can tell you this, it's, the game has given me a lot, so I love to pay attention to it, and it continues to give me. So it's one of those things that, uh, you know, the trade deadline in the NHL tomorrow is, it's like Christmas time for me. So it's all good. It's all good. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be glued to my computer all morning from about, I don't know, six in the morning up until it's time to, you know, shut her down at about one o'clock. Just the way I am, bud. Just the way I am. Well, I'm like that with NASCAR. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, but... And the hockey fans now in the chat rooms. Bill Cardwell, your Leafs aren't doing anything, damn it. They're not doing anything, but that's okay. (laughs) Anyhow, so, yes, I fully understand. We only got about four minutes left until we have to go to our first break of the night here, Butch. Getting to the whole scientific idea of everything when it comes to the mainstream taking this seriously. In your opinion, what has to happen for the mainstream to take an opportunity to actually look? Is it more on them opening up their eyes? Or in your opinion, is it more us as being the fringe cleaning up our act and doing some proper work? I think it's us. 
my opinion is this. Um, look, if somebody presents any type of case, I don't care if it's cryptid, UFO, or, or, or paranormal, and um, uh, everything's done properly and the investigation's done, the research's done, you're going to come up with an answer. Either, yes, this is happening, or no, it's not happening. And if it is happening, then you start to move forward, and you, now you need to know why it's happening. And if you can prove that, whether it's, um, and I don't say debunking, but, you know, a noise in a wall or something at a certain time of night, then you find out, you know, the, the train five miles away runs through there at that particular time of night. Um, nothing simple like that. But, I mean, if you really come up with something like um, you photograph some cryptid walking around the backyard and you video it, and and you've seen it more than once, and it's a good video. It's not like, hey, Martha, run in and get the worst camera we got in the house. i got to take a picture of something out here. Uh, a, a really good photograph or a video. And the last people you want to send it to is some other crypto group because they're not going to admit it's a good picture. So, you know, there's a, a, the, um, I can't remember the name of the outfit there in Australia, but all they do is study cryptids of all types. I mean, they've got samples of every cryptid that ever probably walked on this planet, and they find new ones all the time. And they know what they're looking at. So why would you not just copyright that photo or video and send them a copy? They're not going to charge you for it. They're going to look at it. And if they say, hey, you got something here, now you're on the right track. Now you've got something that you can present. But if it's going to be one of those, you know, shaky, blurry, woodsy-looking photographs that nobody can discern anything from, um, don't waste your time. But it's going to take stuff like that to get the ball rolling. And once that stuff starts to happen, instead of going out, you know, on a, on a, on a uh, uh, an expedition uh, to research an area, don't make it a picnic. Uh, go out and try to get something done. You know, I'm not telling people to go out and buy millions of dollars worth of equipment, but buy decent stuff that, you know, you're going to get a decent result with. And... Um, you know, that, and, yeah, I love eBay because whenever I'm looking for something I can't find, if I go on eBay, I got it. <laughs> cheap. But it's, uh, you got to present the evidence to the right people. And once that's done, I mean, look, Melba Ketchum, Dr. Melba Ketchum presented her DNA evidence to that same outfit in, in down in uh, New Zealand, Australia area there. And they kind of took it apart. They didn't charge her anything for that. And they said, well, you got deer, you got squirrel, you got... Uh, bird scat you got this you got that you got everything but a bigfoot mm-hmm. on that note i'm going to cut you off right there butch we are going to hop out for our first break of the night butch wikowski strange days heard the final monday of every month his next appearance will be in march on the 27th as well you're listening to space out radio i am your host dave scott we'll be back after this break From coast to coast to coast, Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From ghostly hauntings to the UFOs flying above in conjunction with MUFON Canada, they're closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there, and we intend to find them. Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the space travelers icon at spacedoutradio.com. 
For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a space traveler today. Looking for news beyond the mainstream news? Head to spacedoutradio.com and check out the SOR Spacewire. This is Spaced Out Radio's Eric Markham, news director for the SOR Spacewire. Daily, I will bring you intriguing stories and outlandish reports from what's going on around the world. UFO sightings, paranormal activity, conspiracies, alternative health, and so much more. And if you have news, email me at news at spacedoutradio.com. Have you had an experience you can't explain? Had a run-in with ghosts, maybe Bigfoot, or seen lights in the sky? Hi, I'm Mike Schmidt from the SOR Sight Lines. I'm here to investigate your sighting. Head to spacedoutradio.com and fill out a report on the sight lines. All your information is 100% confidential, and I will help you figure out what you've been seeing. File your report, and let's find out the answers together. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit, and expect a miracle. Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There, you will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us, from radio commercials to banners and social media. Have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com, where I, Vincent Zunza, and my super sleuth partner, Alexandra Sullivan, track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest from Bigfoot to Mel's Hole, and everything in between. This is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal when we can report the Pacific North Weird? Right here at spacedoutradio.com. Oh, there's only one way to rock. Loud and proud. In high definition, Radio 702 Rocks, Las Vegas. Every Saturday and Sunday night, as Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness, you can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. Starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us. So sit down, relax, put your feet up, enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. Hope to see you there. 
Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Welcome back to the second hour of Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you with us. Tomorrow night on the show, we'll end up the month talking cryptids again. David Weatherly is going to join us. We're going to talk everything from the weird and strange creatures of Dogman and Bigfoot and everything in between to black-eyed children and UFOs. It's going to be a great show tomorrow night starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time right here at spacedoutradio.com. We want to mention that we are live on Revolution Radio. The Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. We're also live on Renegade Talk Radio out of Las Vegas. Great to be your nighttime show in Sin City. And we are live on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Nudie Eusterian. Duty Eusterian is your password. Nobody knows what it really means, not even dictionary.com, but that is your password for tonight. Jeff, if you get that, we'll need a definition in the Spreaker chat room if you don't mind. Nudie Hysterian is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers. Hey, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Also, use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio. If you are on Twitter, so you can connect with me live during the show. We are also on Facebook. Give our page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. We are also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, and on Stitcher if you want to check us out elsewhere. And our website is SpacedOutRadio.com where we have a plethora of features for you, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club for just 5 bucks a month. Strange Days with Butch Witkowski happens the final Monday of every month. We welcome Butch in again, his website, uforcop.com. Place to be if you want to check it out. Butch, welcome back. I'm here. Well, I hope so. That's just kind of the way we do things on the final Monday of every month. You, me, our favorite people in the chat rooms and our listeners around the world. You know, And they always have great questions. That amazes me. <laughs> Yes, they come They come to play, man. They always got their A game on. Always got their A game on. So we got we to gotta keep that going. You know, we just do. Let's get into some uh, cryptids now. Okay. Right before the break, we were talking about the science and opinion 
We mm-hmm. also have it happen a lot in the Bigfoot world. And I want to spend a couple of minutes on this, if you don't mind. Because mm-hmm. when it comes to opinion, you're one of the believers that we just don't know what Bigfoot is. It could be Gigantopithecus. It could be something supernatural as to the reason why there's always shaking or blurriness to the photos and film. You know, when it comes to researchers searching for Bigfoot, and you've talked to a lot of them, what's the feeling around the scene of what it actually is? Um, I would say that uh, the, the people that I know that have been in it a long time, um, first of all, they, they're not giving up hope they're going to find something. And second, uh, again, they're keeping an open mind as to all of the above that you just mentioned, what it could be and what it couldn't be. But there are just a number of cases out there that are just mind-boggling. And they're looking to, you know, put those pieces together. And um, what's really neat that I've just seen happening this year is where a couple of these... these, um, Guys are out one or two, one man team or two man team, you know, uh, are starting to put their heads together and starting to match up locations, areas, data, uh, descriptions, uh, prints, um, samples of whatever they can get. And that's really good. That's really good because most often than not, you know, uh, a, a Bigfoot could walk between two groups at the same time and one will swear up and down that it was there, and it was this color, and it was this tall, and and you'll get the total opposite story from the other team that was on the other side of the road. And uh, I try to keep an open mind with Bigfoot because there are just some stories and reports, and I'm not even going to say stories, I'm going to say reports, that are just, nobody could make those reports up. Nobody. Uh, I, I don't care if they're in Hollywood or or if they're on a beach down in Venice, Florida. Nobody can make up a report like that. They're just too good, you know what I mean, to not go further with. And um, I know a lot of folks pass those things over. They go, oh, that's just, you know, it's just too good, you know what I mean? Well, to me, when, it's, when, it's, when I say it's too good, or it is good, rather, that... Um, the description, the type, uh, the the body structure, the movement, um, the um, the look on its face. Uh, I I lean, and maybe I'm off on this one, but I lean on uh, the reports where they say they have a more human-looking face than that of a ape or some kind of wild man. Um, I think when people say, you know, I just saw this big brown thing run through the woods. Well, that could be anything. That could be a bear. That could be a deer. That could be a moose. That could be anything. But when they say that, you know, they were eye to eye with it when in such a distance or a small distance, and they say, well, it wasn't there very long, but it really had a human looking face. That kind of sticks with me, and I don't know why. It kind of takes me back to something I always thought from the very beginning with that was maybe these things have been around for a long, 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 long time, 
and you know we're just encroaching in their territory uh whether it's for um, you know just a a hike or a biking trip or a camping trip or a hunting trip and they just happen to run into each other but there are just too many reports like that that kill the idea that there's they don't exist um the interdimensional end of it, uh, is it possible? Uh, anything's possible. I mean, if you'd say, no, it's not possible, that's, that's just being closed-minded. I mean, it's possible, yeah. Um, it's going to be hard to prove unless, you know, you're watching it on on a really good, stable camera system and uh, you watch it appear and disappear. Uh, hoaxers are pretty easy to catch nowadays uh, with the prints and stuff like that. Um, and and photographic, of course, the photographic end of it. I mean, you can take a picture apart in a matter of minutes anymore. But I think that there's something out there. We don't know what it is. We may have some ideas. Uh, it could be a lot of things. It could be flesh and blood. It could not be. It could be here a long time, or it could be here a short time. I would kind of stick with the long time because, you know, reports go back hundreds of years with the indigenous and the First Nations. And um, I just think that sooner or later, you know, the researchers that are out there that are really looking, doing their best to find what they can find, are going to succeed. Somebody will succeed. And uh, the ones that have been kind of making a living off it, well, they'll fail as you usually do, and that'll be the end of them. And it's the same thing in ufology. I mean, you know, the best thing that can happen in ufology is one lands in your driveway. Um, not going to happen, but we know there's stuff up there we can't identify. Therefore, it's an unidentified flying object. Um could it be ours? Sure. Could it be anybody else's? Sure. But some of the things that are seen and photographed, we don't have that kind of technology. Nobody else does either. Um, this recent rash of sightings from the, the space station where the camera feed gets cut off when something enters the camera field, what's that all about? Um, personally, I don't trust NASA as far as I could pick them up and throw them in the spaceship. But... Um, the uh, uh, what was I can't remember. It was it was a SETI recording, and it wasn't uh, the 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 famous one, the Wow signal. It was another SETI recording that was uh, a number of years ago was caught, and they have spent untold amounts of money to find out what this noise was, what this recurring uh, sound was coming from outer space, and uh, they finally nailed it down. It was the microwave in their kitchen. So when it comes to Bigfoot and what people are seeing, what people are reporting, what people are experiencing, and you have these newer investigators who are wanting to learn the tricks of the trade and everything like that, what advice do you give them as someone who is out there in the field on a daily basis. I mean, this is your job. This is your career. You know, this is something that you choose to do 
every day of your life. Yet there are people every day in this field who are just absolutely picking everything up and trying to make sure that they have what it takes to become a professional investigator, so to speak. But how do you how do you teach people, Butch? Because I'm sure you get a lot of people asking you what where to go, what to do, how to do it. And I get that question a lot. <laughs> And one of the things I, I always tell people is, you know, there's probably a group somewhere in your area. Uh, attend a few of the meetings. Uh, see what they're talking about. I mean, read, research on your own. Uh, grab an old case off the Internet and follow it and see where it goes. Um, in your mind, what was done right, what was done wrong, what would you have done differently? Uh, if you're not satisfied with what you're getting at that particular group, move on to another group. Um, and and it, it's one of those things where they'll either two things happen. Either they fall in with the new group that they've just visited on their first try, or they've gone to a, a number and they're going like, look, these guys are off the wall Maybe I could do this better on my own, and then they strike out on their own. And that's when they start to contact. And any good researcher out there, you call them, you email them, uh, me or any of the other people out there, and we'll talk to you. We'll tell you what to do or where to go or what to get or how to do it. Um, we'll give you the tips and the tricks that we've learned. That's no big secret. You know, I'm not writing a book. Um, uh, areas of uh, research that... Uh, maybe in their area that they don't know how to find anything on. I may have it in a database somewhere. Um, I'll be glad to share it, send it to them, photographs, whatever I got. Uh, and that's what they have to do. They have to get a rapport going with somebody that's been at it a long time in their area. And if it's out of their area, um, they can make up their own mind. Uh, stay away from YouTube. That's number one because the stuff on YouTube is all, you know, that's all clicks. So what you want to do is look up cases and, and follow blogs and, um, you know, look, look for that. It'll catch your eye. It'll, it'll catch you right away when you read something and go like, man, that's not far from here or, or, man, that's only like an hour away from me. Maybe I'll go up and look at it myself. Yeah, do that. You don't, you don't need a group to go look at something. Um, uh, go to the library. Uh, go to museums. Um, look up old uh, newspaper articles uh, for strange happenings in that area. Uh, the research is just as much fun as going out. The only thing with going out is you're going to get cold, wet, or sunburned. Um, but li I like I like libraries because I find stuff there that you know, especially when I'm doing something, uh, looking at an area of uh, maybe woodland or or a place that is now a state park but it wasn't a state park before. And, you know, then you start looking for uh, cases for that area. Uh, don't go by the new name. Go by the old name and see what you can come up with. And you'd be amazed what you can find in a, in a library or a newspaper archive. And, you know, uh, don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, I asked a lot of questions, and I still do. But, um, you know, if, if you get a hold of somebody that's going to answer your question or at least put you in the right track, that's the person you want to stay in touch with. If somebody blows you off, don't go back a second time. Does it work the same, in your opinion, for paranormal and or UFO groups? 
Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the same all over. It doesn't make any difference what it is. I mean, it's what the person decides they want to look for. I mean, you know, there are some people that they're just predispositioned to look for cryptids of any type. And then there's uh, some folks that are predispositioned to look for UFOs. And uh, I love when I'm asked at a conference or a phone call or a radio show, how do you find a UFO? Well, look up. Okay? Get yourself a decent pair of binoculars and go out there in your yard or out in a nice open field where there's no light pollution. And on a nice starry night, look to see what's out of the ordinary. What zoomed across the sky? Was that a meteor? Was it a bolide? Why did it stop and drop and go up and go sideways and zigzag the rest of the way? We don't have anything that does that. So you just saw your first UFO. And in, in, the, uh, in the paranormal world, I mean, there's so many things in that that it's so confusing because when you're taking photographs, you you got to be careful with a flash because anything in the room that's shiny, and I don't care if the house is 100 years old or 20 days old, there's something there shiny, a doorknob, a nail, uh, a piece of broken mirror, a picture frame, anything, will throw a flashback into the camera. And the digital cameras today, you know, they all, when you push that trigger, when you're halfway through and that thing starts to arm itself, that's already taken in a lot of information. And all you do is finish it off when you, you lock on, you know, and finish that push. So it, it, it's uh, one of those things that um, it's, it's kind of weird. And there's so many different, like there's ghost boxes out there, there's EVP programs. There's so much stuff out there that people are trying. But um, I think paranormal is the roughest one. That's the roughest one. Do you believe then, Butch, that when it comes to uh, these equipment that people are using, do you think they're getting sucked into using it, or do you think that they are actually making a wise investment when they feel they got to have the latest and greatest gadgets in order to find what they need to find? Oh, look, I have a couple of latest and greatest, but most of my stuff is common stuff. You know, uh, uh, a couple of the cameras are the latest and greatest, but there's quite a few that aren't. Um, I'm, you know, people always say to me, why do you carry a 35 millimeter? Well, you can't really mess with a 35 millimeter shot. Um, why do you have a Polaroid on there? Well, you can't really doctor a Polaroid. So if you're shooting evidence, yeah, do your digital thing, but then take a shot or two with your... Uh, um, you're 30, you're 35 and take a shot or two with your Polaroid and at least back yourself up. That's what you're doing, really. You're just making sure your evidence stays your evidence and it can't be doctored. Because if you put a digital, anything digital on the, on the, on the Internet, somebody will change that in two minutes. They'll take something out or they'll put something in. Is the technology worth it, though? Should people be making that sort of investment? Because for a lot of people out there, for a lot of people out there, they feel that's their way to get the answer, even though they have no idea, no idea whatsoever on what they're even looking for. But they just feel they need those gadgets, Bruce. They, they feel they need to spend that $1,500 uh, on a I, thermal or, or whatever it is. Hey, when I started, every, I'm sorry, when I started, Dave, I had a little bag that was probably a foot long 
and maybe six inches wide. It was an old gym bag. And I had a pair of binoculars, a pad and paper, and a pen, uh, a measuring tape, um, a digital camera, a small digital, Panasonic digital camera that I bought for 50 bucks on eBay, and a flashlight, and a small pocket first aid kit. That's what I did. That's what I had. That's what I had. That's what I started with. And that stuff got me a lot of good stuff. I mean, those binoculars are still in my truck. Uh, they're probably worth about 10 bucks. <laughs> But that's what I saw my first UFO with, you know, uh, when I started doing Star Watches. And um, uh, I carried that bag for two years before I actually spent any money and bought a decent digital. And then, you know, bought a decent set of binoculars. You don't got to go buy everything tomorrow. See, you know, you can say you love it today and hate it in the next two days. Or, you know, you're you're going to go out after a cryptid and you buy all this fancy smancy stuff and you go out there and you get rained on or chased out of the woods by a bear or you see a snake and have a heart attack or a spider in a tree and you go nuts. Hey, just, uh, you know, start from scratch. See where you're going to go with it. See how you feel. Does it make you feel good when you see something you can't explain? If you get that feeling, you're hooked. But it still comes down to money for a lot of people, Butch. I mean, how many times do we see people who can barely afford food or rent, but they sure as hell have the the most expensive gear going when it comes to ghost hunting? And I realize that it's a passion for a lot of people. I realize that that's what they feel they need to do, and good on them for that, mm -hmm. right? But yeah. on the flip side, you know, there's people breaking their banks in order to try and make this happen whether it's for the good or for the bad. And I, I'm just curious, do you think, if you're going out in the field or you got somebody like myself who comes up to you and says, Butch, what do I need to get? What kind of gear should I have to start out? I'm assuming, look, you're, I'm assuming I, you're not I, telling me to go buy a, a $3,000 thermal. No. What I would do is say, uh, are you local? And they'd say, well, yeah, you know, I live uh, 25 miles away. Okay, let me put your name down, and when we go out somewhere, I'll call you up, and you can go along, and you can use my equipment and see what you think. If you want to go from there, then you do what you got to do to go from there. But, you know, uh, and I've done that. I, I, had a, I had a guy, he only lives a few miles away, and he's a hardworking dude. He's got quite a few kids, and, and uh, he just loves this stuff to death. And we were talking in a local grocery store one time. He says, I, you know, I, I can't afford any of this stuff. And I said, well, you don't need to afford any of this stuff. I said, why don't you um, let me, when I get something close around here, I'll come pick you up and you can use my stuff and I'll show you what we do. And um, we've done that a number of times. Now, he hasn't bought any equipment yet, but he's been out about six or eight times. So it, a lot has to do with the person that, quote-unquote, is the professional or the retired guy like me that can do it. You, you have to extend a hand every now and then, you know, to somebody that really wants to see what happens, or even if they just want to ride along. Fine. Jump in the truck. Here's where we're going. You know, that's not going to cost them anything. You're not going to charge them by the, you know, by the mile like a taxi cab. Just take them out and show them what it's all about. And uh, I always tell people, you know, don't don't go out buying a whole lot of equipment because you might do that and then find out that you hate it. 
or it's boring, especially sitting in that haunted house all night long in the dark, talking to nobody, hearing nothing, night after night. This is nuts. Well, some people thrive on that. Some people just go like, no thanks. Same thing with a star watch. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been at star watches already where I couldn't get people to stop looking. You're going to get a kink in your neck if you keep that up. Uh, and then I had people that, like, where they were for 15 minutes, went like, uh, I don't think this is too interesting, and they walk away. It's really up to the individual. But I, I tell people, don't go don't go spending a ton of money. I mean, you know, if and if you belong to a group, or if you hook yourself up with a group just to see what it's like, don't go to one where they charge you to belong. That's number one. Um, I, I've seen some... Hundred dollar a year numbers there, and nobody knows what happens to the hundred dollars from the from the people. But uh, go to a local group, sit in on their meetings. Hey, ask if you can ride along. You can tell them right out. Look, I don't have anything. I'm I'm just new at this. I just want to see what it's like. Can I go along? Look, if they're worth their salt, they'll say, "Jump in the truck, jump in the car, let's go." But I've never asked you this question. Hmm. What is your opinion on paranormal tourism, then? Oh. Oh, you really want to get me started, don't you? Well, and the reason why I ask is, I think a lot of people who follow this field they want to they maybe have never had an experience butch they want to go on a tour and they want to get frightened they want the thrill they want to get scared they want to see what it's like mm mm-hmm. and they go on one of these paranormal tourism events and I think that it, that's a good thing okay mm-hmm. because it does help raise money for museums or or places that could use some extra funding that are maybe nonprofit and I'm okay with that. In fact, I run a nonprofit museum over here by my house, about two miles away. And this year, we are actually starting paranormal tours that we figure we could raise an extra three, four hundred dollars a month that could be well used to help keep the facility moving. And and that's but, I don't have a problem. What I have a problem with is uh, the. Uh, tourism part that says okay i'm going to load you people all in here or you all meet me here at this time we're going to go through this place and we're going to see ghosts we're going to see that and it's going to be a hundred bucks a head and they walk these people through a building that has probably been walked through forty thousand times and they do not see anything get anything and they walk out and they're probably home in bed when they realize they just handed over a hundred dollars to take a walk through an empty building at night now, the other ones, the other ones, that, like I agree wholeheartedly. If they're funding, helping to fund uh, a museum or or a um, uh, there's, there's going to be a big Bigfoot deal here in Pennsylvania in May, and they're going to be funding uh, two animal groups and, and a and a children's group, um, and I don't have any problem with that either. I just have a problem when, and I don't mean this badly. When they take the gullible and take that hundred bucks or seventy-five or fifty to take them to the other end of town to walk them through a building in the middle of the night and just say, "Well, so and so died here back in 1948, and the guy jumped out the window of this hotel over here in 1955." And well, that's it. Have a nice evening. Thank you. Goodbye. 
That's nuts. That's as nuts as when people say, yeah, I can come down and bless your house, and I'm going to sprinkle holy water, and I'm going to throw flour around, and I'm going to burn sage and this and the other thing, but I need 75 bucks an hour to do it. That's crazy. And uh, the, the, the amount of those groups are, thankfully, not too many. Uh, there's a group right now, uh, a, a crypto group out in uh, Colorado, that's um, they hold cookie sales, bake sales. Uh, they're trying to get an office together uh, in a place where they can um, um, hold um, mini conferences uh, and show people what they're doing, what they're finding in that area of, of Colorado. And it's everything from petroglyphs to footprints to photographs to old newspaper print, uh, stuff that people probably couldn't find if they looked for it. And... They're charging five bucks. Five bucks. That's great. So they're helping pay the rent. They're helping get their act together, you know, uh, to put something out there for, for open to the public. And uh, I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. The ones I have a problem with, though, are the ones that pretty much don't do anything but charge an enormous amount of money. There was one in Louisiana a few years ago that was charging $300 to take you to an old prison to walk from one end of the prison to the other, up the steps, down the hall, down the steps, and out the front door. And so all you got are these people walking along with the group going like, did you see that? Did you see that shadow? Well, you tell that to somebody who's never seen one, of course they're going to see a shadow. It's probably their own shadow. So some people walk out and they think, Phew, 300 bucks, that wasn't bad, I got to see a ghost. And you get other people to think about it a minute and go like, man, I could be drunk by now and didn't even spend half that money. <laughs> So, what is your opinion, then, when you see these paranormal teams going into a haunted building to use all of their gear to show us that it's haunted? Is that is that what paranormal is, in your opinion? Well, it is, it is with, when you're using television. I mean, you know, bills got to be paid, all that stuff. You know, you know, I watched one paranormal show one time, Dave, one time. And um, the two gentlemen are in the house, and you hear this, like a marble rolling down the roof, a metal roof, and it hits the gutter, and then you hear it go down the gutter tube, and that's it. And they're both really getting really excited. Did you hear that? Yeah. What the heck was that? I think it was somebody up on the roof. Oh, well, did you hear that? There it goes again. And then the pebble rolled. They got ahead of themselves. Trying to scam people and scare people for money is not what it's all about. Everybody should be out for the same reason. I don't care if you're looking for a cryptid or if you're looking for a, uh, a wolf man or a dog man or a Bigfoot or a flying pterodactyl or a giant snake or a ghost or a UFO or little green men running around your backyard. The only thing you should be concerned about is finding the truth, not making it up. Just find it. Look for it. Research it. Study it. Come up with an answer. If it's a good answer, fine. If it's a bad answer, fine again. Not everybody's a rocket scientist. We're all not geniuses. And I'll tell you, some of the best stories I get are from people that have never been involved in this in any way, shape, or form. Uh, do it on their own, uh, you know, for their own satisfaction, for their own answers. And I can talk to those people all day and all night and don't get tired of it.
I guess where I have an issue is with these paranormal groups, and I think there's some very brilliant people who are working in these fields, but I do have a big, big issue with these paranormal teams who go into haunted places to confirm it's haunted. Now, I realize they may be looking to stockpile their own evidence, stockpile their own review, maybe to to check it out against information that they already have. I get that. Okay, I really do get that, and I can appreciate that. However, at what point do we have to say, what are you trying to solve? And And I think that is probably Butch... And it's not just the paranormal teams, it's the cryptid teams, it's the UFO teams out there who have no idea what they are even trying to solve. Right. And and when we bring the mainstream back into it, why would the mainstream take any of us seriously? They have no right to, because they don't need to. Exactly. So, what the, the answer to that is, or my answer to that is, you stay away from those types. You just go do your thing or your little group's thing or your big group's thing, whatever. You do your thing. You set your goal. Your goal is to find the truth. It's not to write a book. It's not to uh, get um, a 10 o'clock spot on TV. It's not to make a documentary. Um, If if your heart is in it and your mind is in it, you want to find the truth. And you want to be able to take that truth and talk to a guy like you, or me, and convince us that what you got is worth following up on. Or if you already got the evidence, talking to uh, uh, the right people to, to present a white paper or to, to uh, send that uh, evidence that you have, whether it's photographic or hard evidence or whatever, uh, to the proper people to get it analyzed. And never send the whole sample. You know, if you're going to send something, you just send a portion. They don't need a lot. And um, get that satisfaction. That's what it, you know, that's all you're going to get out of this is satisfaction. You know, it's not like I'm going to, you know, have Bigfoot in a cage out front charging people 50 bucks to take a look at him. It's not going to happen. I'm, I'm just, I'd be thrilled just to get a good steady shot, a good picture. Or a good video. Or a good uh two or three or four or five footprints in a row that all match or some scat or some hair that nobody can identify. Uh, same thing with UFOs, you know, uh, now there you're kind of tied because (laughs) unless they're landed in your yard, all you're going to do is have video and pictures, um, or an entity on the ground. Um, ghosts, um, I don't know that that's, there are so many ways they can fool people with that. And it's sad, but they do it all the time. Is it harder to do so in the field of ufology? Yes. Yeah, because, you know, you don't ever have um, hard evidence. You know, you don't have a piece of a craft or a body of an alien. Or uh, you may have a good picture of a craft or a good video of a craft. Um, and, and if it was a landing site, okay, so you may have uh, some type of uh, radioaction, radioactive activity in the ground or strong EMF or burn marks or stuff like that. But then you, if, you, if you do that, then you have more evidence because you can take grass clippings, you can take control samples from another part of the area, match them up to, to the sample you've taken from this alleged landing area, 
and, and it's just harder because they're not here. Cryptids are here. Uh, ghosts allegedly are here. I mean, they're right here. I mean, they're 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 in houses. They're in old buildings. They're roaming around the woods. Um, and uh, the researchers that are out there, they're actually doing their work, doing their job, whether it's a hobby or you know a passion. Um, I still say they're the ones that are going to give the evidence that breaks the nut. So once again, I ask you this. When it comes to those who are out there investigating, what is your top three, shall we say, Butch, in what they should be looking to accomplish? Because if I were to give my top three, I would say, what are you trying to solve? Give me an answer to that. Mm-hmm. What what are you doing with your evidence? Mm-hmm. Because after you say collecting and going through, usually nine times out of ten, these paranormal groups or even cryptid groups don't know what they're doing with it. And number three, I would say don't use scientific fact or your opinion as scientific fact. What would be your top three? Uh, pretty much right in line with yours, uh, uh, with one exception with the evidence. Whatever you get, you need to protect. I mean, you need to first learn how to protect evidence. If you if you would come across a, um, say you're out looking for cryptids, and now you come across a, a, a pile of bones and there's some really strange claw marks or chew marks in it, don't pick it up with your hand. You know, have a bag with you, uh, a, a paper bag or a, a Ziploc bag, Put on a pair of rubber, uh, uh, you know, plastic gloves or, or nylite gloves. I mean, they're cheap. You can buy a hundred of them for like five bucks at any CVS. Pick it up, put it in the bag, photograph it where you found it first. Pick it up, put it in the bag, label it, date it, time it, everything else. Seal it. Don't screw with it. Don't take it down to the bar and pass it down to the bar and show everybody at the bar. This is the bone you found. It looks like that wolf teeth in it. And the same thing is with with uh, anything paranormal. You know, if you got EVP uh, or some kind of recording, or you got a good video or 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 good still pictures of something that's not normal, you got to protect the evidence first. And uh, you know, uh, there are certain things that you need to learn before you do anything. Like, first of all, how many people buy a camera and actually test the camera? They don't do that. They buy the camera, they throw it in the car, they throw it in their bag, and they go do their thing. They have no idea how that camera works. They have no idea how the settings work or what filters they need or how the flash works. And uh, and that works the same with UFOs. I mean, uh, I've seen guys spend $5,000 for a telescope. You know where it's at? It's in the basement. You know why? They don't know how to use it. They haven't figured out the eyepieces. They don't know how to set the azimuth. They don't know how to set the degrees. They don't know how to even find a star system. So it's, it comes down to, you know, that old keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> and uh, I just think that a lot of people, uh, they get excited and, you know, they don't really know what they're going after. They've seen something on TV or uh, in a movie and they think it's out there and they go running down the road. Do your homework first. Um, everything you said, I agree with. I mean, you know, it's just it's it's and it's basic stuff. That I mean, it's not rocket scientists. 
that are doing this. It's everyday people that are doing it. You're doing it. I'm doing it. You know, people I know are doing it. They have jobs. Some are retired. You know, some are professionals. One guy working on mine. So that doesn't mean he's dumb. I mean, he's come up with some really good ideas on cryptids. And, um, you know, now there's a guy that has the experience. He knows what a mine is like. He knows what to look for. Uh, what dangers are in a mine when you go look, walking around the mine or water when you're around water. Um, the safety factors. I mean, there's just so many factors with with any of this. I mean, look at these people that go walking around these old homes. Um, they start stomping up steps that could be rotted, and they wind up on the basement floor after they just went through the third floor. And there have been people that have been killed doing these paranormal things. They've fallen out windows. They've fallen through four floors. Um... Uh, one guy got impaled on a fence in a cemetery. He got scared and ran off, and the fence was broken, and the points were sticking forward. He ran right into it and impaled himself. So you got to really... It's all common sense, but try not to get run off in the glory and glamour and the spotlight of it. Just keep it simple. Look for what you're looking for. It all comes together. I mean, when I started, I was stumbling all over the place. I was lucky I could find my butt with both hands. But, uh, and read. You know, that's another important thing, read. And not just the books by the so-called experts. Uh, read articles, read blogs. Uh, when, especially some of these blogs, they have like a really good argument going on, you know, between somebody that found something and somebody didn't find something or somebody thinks they found something. Don't get involved in it. Just read it. See what's going on. See who's, who's, who's making the argument. Are they making a good argument? Or are they just blowing smoke? I mean, pretty easy to tell. But uh, listen to different radio Listen to radio shows where they have people calling in and asking questions. Listen to what the, the person on the other end of the line is giving them for advice. Or, or the, the person that has a radio show. Or the, or the uh, person that has a TV show. Or, or the person... I just saw now where there's a, a training outfit, or, 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 or a, not a museum, a um, university starting up uh, to make you a paranormal investigator. Give me five grand. I'll give you a uh, membership card. I'll give you a photograph. I'll give you a book and, and a diploma. That's what they want for five grand. Well, isn't that most universities? <laughs> yeah, but paranormal is a pseudoscience. So who's the guy giving the course? What degrees does he have? What's, you know, is does he have a doctorate? <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> and if his office is at the local garage, you know, might, might want to stay away from that guy. <laughs> it's so confusing sometimes, and yet it's so simple. It's just... See what you're interested in. What gets your interest? What attack? What what attracts you? What uh, you know? Do you have this? Do you want to know what's out in those deep dark woods? Do you want to know what's under the water? Do you know what want to know what's flying around the skies? Do you want to know what's in these old abandoned homes that are littered the countryside from east coast to west coast all over the place and in Canada? I mean, don't do anything dangerous, but always be safe. Take a day. Take two days. 
Do it once a month. See where it takes you. See what you can find. I mean, look how many petroglyphs were found by people on walks, on hikes. Scientists didn't find them. Archaeologists didn't find them. A guy taking his dog for a walk finds a whole wall of petroglyphs that nobody even knew existed. Now, that's something to be proud of because they named them after him. So some stuff comes by accident and some stuff comes with a lot of hard work. And then you got to be willing to put the hard work into it, you know. Are you willing to go out there and stand in the snow for four or five hours and in 20-degree weather? Or are you just going to be one of those people that waits till it's like 90 degrees and a nice little breeze blowing and there's a, a bar down the street where you can get a cold beer if you need it? it it's, it's different. Researchers are different. All researchers, and they're all different from each other. No two researchers are alike. Um, some researchers, like, somebody will say, well, uh, and I'm going to use your, your, your sighting for a minute. Um, uh, uh, these two guys are walking down a trail and they spot what they think is a Bigfoot and then they look and it really is a Bigfoot. And they'll tell one researcher and he'll go like, you're full of crap. And you'll tell another researcher and he'll go like, now that's interesting, tell me more. So which guy do you want to be involved with? I certainly want to be with the guy that said, that's interesting, tell me more. But there's too many of the other type out there right now. Too many. So when you say there's too many out mm-hmm. there right now, that that's a very, very important statement that you just made. Because mm-hmm. I have said that many a times on this show, but in a, in a different context, where I think the oversaturation of paranormal media, like all these so-called radio shows or podcasts that are out there, mm-hmm. we've, ter- we've turned to a time of of oversaturation where people are not looking for quality anymore. They're looking for something that immediately gets them the fix that they need. Do you think that's happening in the paranormal field as well? And I'm using the paranormal as an umbrella term here, whether it's UFOs, cryptids, or ghosts. Absolutely. I mean, you, if you, if you, if you just Google, uh, paranormal, uh, blog post or paranormal blog you'll get tired going through all the pages they're out there by the tons of punching UFO reports it'll be the same thing just tons and tons of stuff and and uh, you know uh, there are and I said this a lot of times I told you this before there are so many shows out there that are good that you can count on two hands there are hundreds of shows, probably more than hundreds of shows around the country and, and Europe and, and Canada and every place else, and you might find 10, 10 that you'll have. Uh, it'll be a good blog where there'll be a lot of questions, a lot of answers, a lot of good information, and, and, and they're far, few and far between. And television, I don't even watch television because that's when somebody's getting paid and the sponsor's involved and, you know, all this, it's money. And a director would stand there and then a production guy who's saying, like, okay, you didn't see it fly this way. It had to fly this way so we could get the good angle and we can put our little dummy up there to make it look good and it'll be easier for our artist to cover that. I mean, that's not what I want to hear. Uh, I'd rather listen to folks just asking questions and getting answers. And, And, you know, I don't have all the answers by any means. I mean, there's a lot of questions I have. 
but and I do the same thing. I try to listen to uh, different researchers, read their articles, um, see what they're saying, how they're doing things, uh, what they've got going right now, um, to see if there's anything similar that I have. And if it would be similar, I'd call them. If I was calling J.C. Johnson out in the middle of, uh, where is he at now? He's in Minnesota right now. And I said, J.C., I heard you talk about this on a radio show the other night. I have something similar. Can you tell me and give him the information that I got and say, what do you think? Networking is very important, but networking has to be done with the right people. And that's where some people really mess up. They just network with just anybody that will answer them. No, I understand that. But I know, like, in Paranormal Radio, you know, we work hard here. To, and, you know, I, I recognize that everybody thinks we're doing things the right way or they want to be. And our audience is starting to explode, which is an absolute great thing to happen. And it's it, it really is a rush to see mm-hmm. it happen. You know, but it's tough when literally you have... A thousand, two thousand, maybe more of these so-called radio shows that, you know, break everything down. They suit people's times better. And in the end, for a lot of people, they don't seem to care about the quality anymore. Quality has gone downhill. It's about it's about quantity and mm-hmm. what's, what suits my need. So, for instance, if I'm a fan of Dogman, there's no way I'm listening to a show that's listening or that del- delves strictly in paranormal. There's no way that I'm dealing with a show at night that deals with Dogman maybe once a month. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there are tons of them. You know, not so long back, and I mean like three or four years at the most, to find a Dogman blog spot or a radio show or a YouTube radio deal, you know, one of those things, that was rare. Now, oh, my God, they're, 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 they're crawling out under the woodwork. And then the thing that gets me is, and here's where I get a little uh, bit out of shape with these guys, where they come across like they're an expert to get the people to call in and ask them the questions or to get guests on to talk about things that they have no idea about and don't even know who to call to get on the show. And then you get, you know, uh, some guy from East Jabip that, you know, thought he saw a squirrel chasing a Bigfoot one time. And all of a sudden he's got this great story that lasts for an hour. And it was just pure nonsense. It made no sense whatsoever but they got people to call in or they got people to sign up or register, whatever you do. And I, I find that very disturbing. You know, if, (laughs) uh, it's, and a part of it is the people themselves. They really got to know what they want to do and what they're looking for. And they need to listen to these shows and make a decision. Look at, are there questions being asked or people calling in, I mean, if there's a guy on there talking about his experience and he's the guy that runs the show and there's no call-ins and there's no questions, I wouldn't call that. I wouldn't get back on that channel again. I'd, I'd go to another station. And the stations that are out there that are um, informative and they're not afraid to ask questions, hard-hitting questions, um, 
or uh, uh, or challenge a guest on on something. Uh, I really like those. Or 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 uh, let the guest explain what he means. Where some of these guys, I mean, even some of the really big national shows. Uh, yeah, you're going to be on for two hours. Well, you're actually only on for 47 minutes. The rest of that is um, sponsors or some they're promoting their book or they're promoting a video or or whatever. But the ones uh, where you have, um, you know, you got a two-hour show, one-hour show, three-hour show, whatever, and you enjoy being on the show, you enjoy talking to the people, you enjoy the questions, um uh, the back and forth with people that you're probably never ever going to meet in your life, but they have good questions or they or they want an answer to something, and you're lucky enough or uh, dumb enough to actually have done it and say, "Oh yeah, I remember how to do that." And, you know, and those are very few and far between. There just aren't that many. Most of them are very commercialized. And like I said, if you're going on for two hours, you're probably going to be only on the air for 47 minutes. And here's the one that really kills me. When you go on a radio show, or they ask you to come on to a radio show, and they'll say, uh, it goes one way or the other. Either we're going to submit 20 questions to you of what we want to talk about, or you can submit 20 questions to us of what, we want, what you want us to ask you. Well, if I have a new book coming out, the first 10 questions would be, let's, let's talk about my book. Let's talk about the cover of my book. Let's talk about the guy that designed the cover. Let's talk, I mean, you know, that's nuts. I like the shows where you just call in and it's just it just goes with the flow. Yeah, I know that feeling. I wish I could find one of those. Mm. Ain't many of them. No, no, they're not. But you know, we'll just take it with a grain of salt. When someone finds me one, let me know. Let me know. Mm. Please note my sarcasm there. <laughs> Absolutely. We're down to about uh, 30, 40 seconds here before we got to go into break land once again, my friend. Okay. When we come back, I, I want to get into some strange things that maybe you've investigated, maybe not. Eric Cooper from Forest Moon Paranormal has actually put a really, really cool question up, and I'm going to hold off on that until... Okay until uh, we get back from break. But, you know, it makes me think and wonder how much weird and strange is actually out there and how much of it is actually truth compared to imagination. And on that note, we're going to step out for our final break of the night. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio. Butch Witkowski is with us for one final hour after this. Butch comes on the final Monday of every month in a segment we love to call around here Strange Days, and it's Strange Days indeed. Butch will be right back with me right after this. The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your strange experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to spacedoutradio.com and file a Sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential, and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines, your answers are a click away. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. 
Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. Hi there. I'm Butch Witkowski, lead investigator with the Cop. On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries. So tune in at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Wachowski's Strange Days. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit. And expect a miracle. This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, Two Mediums and a Large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com. Have you checked out the SOR Spacewire at spacedoutradio.com yet? Every day we post the latest stories regarding the weird, strange, and completely unbelievable. From cryptid and UFO sightings to the conspiracy world, we tackle it all. Hi there, I'm Eric Markham, Space Out Radio's news director for the SOR Spacewire. And if you have a story, I want to hear it. Email me at news at spaceoutradio.com. Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Stories so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. Become more intimate and interactive with Spaced Out Radio. Join our Space Travelers Club with your new membership. For $5 a month, we'll provide you with special access to the website, monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings, along with monthly newsletter, private interviews, and more. Sign up today to be part of Spaced Out Radio's experience. Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website, including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. 
For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. You hear footsteps in the empty room above you. A rocking chair begins rocking by itself. Don't be afraid of the things that go bump in the night. Reach for Spirit Story Box. The iPhone app the Huffington Post UK called the only ghost hunting app you will ever need. Spirit Story Box. The spirits are telling their stories. Are you listening? Strange creatures lurking in the night, the sounds of wood knocking in the forest, odd happenings right out of a fictional world. These are the reports I love. Hi there, this is author Ronald Murphy, and I would love it if you join me and Spaced Out Radio host Dave Scott the second Wednesday of every month on our journey into the unknown land of cryptozoology at spacedoutradio.com. From Mothman to Frogman and everything in between, hey, they don't call me the crypto guru for nothing. Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and hashtag Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you with us. If you're along for the ride, thank you so much for being here because we love being here with you each and every night. We do this thing seven days a week. Tomorrow night, we end February on a cryptid note. David Weatherly is going to join us. We're talking everything cryptid. We're going to get into some strange as well. Talking black-eyed kids. David Weatherly, 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spaceoutradio.com. If you're listening in on the United Public Radio Network, live on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world, very good to have you with us. We're also live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Carter. Well, has set the password for tonight, the SOR Space Travelers Club. Nobody but Jeff really knows what it means. Nudiu Sturgeon. Nudiu Sturgeon is your password. Make sure you use it wisely, space travelers, because that is your 
SOR Space Travelers password for tonight. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Also use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio to chat with us live during the show. You can also give our Facebook page a like. Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. We are also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live and Stitcher. And our website is SpacedOutRadio.com where we have a plethora of features for you, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club. It is just five bucks a month. That's less than a Starbucks large coffee or extra large, whatever they named it, because I don't speak coffee shop. But you know what we're doing. You know what we're saying. Just head on in and join the club today. Butch Wachowski from UO4Cop.com is our guest. He goes the distance tonight on this Monday night. Strange Days with Butch Wachowski happens the final Monday of every month. The next time Butch will be on will be Monday, March 27th. One month from today exactly. Butch, welcome back. Good to be back on here. Well, I hope so. I hope so. And I'm waiting for this question from Eric. I think it's great. Eric... Eric's question is, have you ever heard of or studied any cases regarding weird and strange staircases that have been found in the middle of the forests? Okay, well, there's two sides to that. The first ones are the really exciting ones that get to make a book every now and then or uh, hit YouTube where... um, uh, the one was a um, lady climbed a set of old stairs that she saw in the woods, not attached to anything. And when she got to the top, uh, she had a massive stroke and died. And then there was another one where a guy was walking through a state park and he saw this set of stairs, wooden stairs, and he climbed the wooden stairs. When he got to the top, something severed his right arm as he was reaching out to touch a branch. Um, and there's a number like that. There's quite a few of those, but none of those have ever been... Um, proven as fact now what you do find and you'll find them in all over the united states old foundation stairs old hearths uh stairways that might have one time went to a home that's no longer there um and if they were fashioned out of stone they're going to remain a long 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 time um but uh then there was the uh, the, uh, the people started calling the angel staircase that if you saw one of these and walked up to the top, you would be taken into heaven. Um, they never said what would happen if you'd fell off of them. Um, it, those stairs are everywhere. I, I've seen them in the woods. Um, there's an old factory uh, up in uh, north central Pennsylvania, and uh, you're walking up this trail, and all of a sudden there's this set of iron steps I mean, they go up uh, 13, 14, 14 steps, I think we counted, um, and it's just there. There's nothing else around. But then when you do start looking around, you can see the foundation of the old building and that these steps actually were probably maybe a fire escape or, or a second-story entrance to the building. Um, uh, other than that, I, I just think it's it's what they are. I mean, they're just from old homesteads and stuff and factories and um, man, there were there were foundries and hearths all over this country, and you'll see steps everywhere. I mean, they're everywhere. 
But as far as them being nefarious for something, like the guy with the arm being cut off or the lady that had the massive brain hemorrhage and died at the top of the steps, or you went to the top of the steps and an angel came down and escorted you up into heaven, um, I'm not buying it. <laughs> you don't think there's anything paranormal with them at all? No, uh-uh. And the game, uh, not the game commission, but the park service for the for the state parks and stuff, they've been questioned about these for eons. And, you know, they tell people what they are. They say, well, there was an old house up there, and those are the steps that led up to the second story, or, or those were the steps that went from the, uh, from the, 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 the ground level uh, over to the feed mill or something like that. And you can tell these steps have been there a long time. You know, they're rusted, they're metal, or they're wood that are rotted through. Or I mean, they're not like new steps that were built day before yesterday. And I know I've seen a couple of them up on the Internet where they say, oh, these steps were, uh, we came upon these steps, and they look like they were built, you know, just yesterday. They had a fresh coat of paint on them and everything else. Uh, they're not in existence. They're, that was either Photoshopped or somebody just did it in their backyard. But... Um, uh, no, I, I've never seen any case that was proven to be true, especially the ones where there were injuries or death. And some of them were very, I mean, they were horrifying. Uh, what was one, the one guy, he got to the top of the steps and he turned around to say something to his wife and he was cut in half. And the bottom half fell down the steps and the top half fell off onto the ground. And there's no police report? I don't think so. But if you talk to a ranger at one of these state parks and bring up steps in there, they'll either tell you where they're at or, you know, if they're old or something like that, they'll tell you to stay off them because they're really rickety and you could get hurt. Or they just tell you, nope, we ain't got any. If we did, we probably wouldn't even pay much attention to them. And a lot of times, especially at, like, the old breweries and wineries, they, had, uh, they, they would set up these elaborate sets of steps made out of stone or metal or wood or a combination of all. Uh, just to go up and look into vats of whiskey and beer that was being made. And the brewery shut down, you know, in, in the 18th, uh, 19th centuries, and the steps are still there. The brewery's gone. Maybe they found a little bit of the foundations around, but there's nothing else there. And and I just think it was, it's a neat story. I mean, if you're sitting around a campfire and you want to scare a bunch of kids, but when you go see them in the woods, and they're out there. I mean, we've seen them. Um, they're really just remnants of old buildings or homesteads. I hope I answered his question. Eric has a follow-up question here. He's saying, Butch, have you ever seen cases where entities have taken over trees and plants, not fairies or dryads, just entities in general? Uh, there is an uh, ongoing case right now in um, Minnesota area, and um, they had posted some pictures uh, to different researchers. I, I'm assuming they're still there. If you look up... Uh, Little people of the forest, and pictures may still be there, but a lady was taking a picture of a researcher as he was doing something, and she caught this little, maybe three-foot-tall, um, kind of druid-looking thing in the grass, and she got like two or three pictures, and they did post them. Uh, yeah, you try finding them if they're still there, and that was only about a year and a half ago. What's your thoughts on the little people? Like anything else, I mean, you know, we don't know everything. We don't know, hell, how much of the ocean have we explored so far? <laughs> I mean, well, there's, there's I, parts. I, I know the answer to that. Sorry to cut you off. I know the answer to that because I just checked out. It's less than 5%. Yeah, 
And, you know, there are parts of in the United States where no man has ever stepped foot, ever. Uh, the Selway Wilderness up in the Montana area. I mean, yeah, it's great hunting, and there's there's a few little towns there, and, and, and you know, they're very well known, and they got hospitals, and they got everything else. And then there's parts of that wilderness area that nobody's ever been in, ever. They don't even know how to map it, because when they take flights over to photograph it, all they're photographing is the top of trees. They can't see any any, any lanes or, or walking paths or, or anything. So how much of this country is undiscovered? Not only above, but underneath. I mean, they have caves. Here in Pennsylvania, we have a number of caves. Virginia has a number of caves where they're pretty much endless, that nobody's ever gone to the end. They went so far, and they just went like, okay, enough's enough. So what happens if you go any further? So instead of going in two miles, maybe it takes you in six or eight or ten miles. Nobody's done it. And there's a lot of strange mysteries in this planet especially, you know, probably right in our own backyards that we just don't know about. I mean, I'm sure there's parts of Canada that no man has ever walked in, or, or, or First Nation. They're just so out of the way, and there's nothing there. Um, hell, you got a- islands up in Canada that people have never even inhabited, ever. They're just there. There's no way to get to them other than, you know, if you want to paddle a boat or you know, really go out of your way to get there. And when you get there, probably the only thing you're going to see is maybe a bear or two and, and some great fishing. Yes. And you know what? It's not actually that far out of reach for a lot of people around here. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. it, it happens quite a lot around here, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's just in British Columbia. You, oh yeah. The further north you go, it gets a little bit more interesting. So, let me ask you this: getting back to what we talked about at late in the last hour, okay? We talked about these paranormal teams who are going to all these paranormal tourism situations, and we can agree that paranormal tourism does have its place, especially for people who are you know really trying to figure out what is going on and they want that experience do you think that it is imperative that we as a as a paranormal group or society start investigating places that have never been investigated find that virgin territory to see what's there or does it really matter in the main idea of of uh investigation Oh, I think that'd be fascinating. Who knows what you'd run into? I mean, um, I, I mean, just some far-fetched stuff like uh, suppose uh, you went into a place that nobody's ever been into before, and and you run into uh, or find a village of of folks or or uh, uh, ruins of of a, a long gone uh, group. I mean, there's just so much out there, and it's such a vast area. Oh, I think that'd be fascinating. I, I'd jump on that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Is it still worth doing, though, Butch? Considering, and I guess the reason why I ask, part of part of my thing when I look at the paranormal teams, we still, for the most part, don't have an answer as to what they're looking for. You know? Right. And I think that's that's what gnaws at me, and I just can't let that go. I just can't because I want to. I want to know what these people are trying to find. I want to know what they're trying to solve. 
And for the most part, I just don't see a lot of these groups having any understanding whatsoever as to what they are supposed to be trying to find. And so is is wasting money then, never mind on the technology, but traveling to what could be uncharted territory, because I'm pretty positive there's probably areas in the north from Montana all the way to Michigan that just have not had a soul check them out. Yeah. yeah. And, well, I guess that's where the adventurous spirit and the need to know comes into play. Um, I mean, uh, even a state like Pennsylvania, I mean, there's areas where people don't go, never went. Um uh, where was it just not too long ago? And I, I believe that was in, it might've been in Colorado where they were doing an archeological dig and a game, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a park ranger turned around and found an 18, um, 89 Winchester leaning up against a tree. And they have no idea where it came from. They, they tracked it down to where, you know, what, where it was sold and all that stuff, but not to who. And they're just trying to figure out how it got there. And why it's there. Uh, there were no bones or anything found. There's just this Winchester leaning up against a tree in pretty decent shape. And they figure it's been there probably since that time period. So, uh, you know, I guess that throws up the difference between the archaeologist and the treasure hunter and just that person that needs to know what's out there. Or um, are we looking in the wrong place for things? And as far as, you know, the ghost people... I think their biggest thing is to prove some type of connection between now and the afterlife. Do people actually come back to check on the family or to uh, let their friends know that they're okay or they're in a better place or, you know, there's so much spiritual and and, um, wanting to be in touch with the other side that it is, uh, it, it keeps people busy. It really does. And and I think a lot of people are looking for that connection. You know, they want to talk to mom or they want to talk to their grandmother or maybe that long-lost uncle that they never met. They'd just like to say a few words or, you know, it, it, it just gets so involved. But as far as going into places where nobody's ever been before, that's going to take a lot of money, a lot of wherewithal, a lot of... Uh, uh, putting together uh, a team to do that, and that's probably why it's not done because it's just out of the range of of money, you know. Eric has a question for you, and he is asking, Butch, have you ever heard recently of a bright light seen in the night skies that some are saying is the start of some sort of invasion? Um. Eric, I've heard that story at least two dozen times in the last 27 years. Um, Most bright lights in the sky can be found easily and identified very easily with a star map. Um, Most of the bright light in the sky mistakes are Venus. Um, The little red dot that people say is an invasion fleet heading for Earth uh, on the right side of the moon when you're looking at a full moon is actually Mars. Um, there's an answer up there. You just got to look for it. And, you know, uh, star charts are cheap. You can get them on the Internet for less than 2 bucks. You can go to local Staples probably and buy them for 2 bucks. Um, 
there are there are so many planets, and some are very bright depending on how the moonlight or the starlight hits them. Um, there are stars that are extremely bright at certain times of the year um, that they almost look like a flashbulb going off. And when you're staring at a star or a planet or anything, even through binoculars, don't keep staring at it. You need to take your eyes away from it, look away and go back. Because one thing people forget when they're looking at these objects moving in the sky, the Earth is rotating. So therefore there is movement. And the ISS, um, which is pretty much readily seen by anyone on this planet at any one time of day or night in their area, depending on the orbit, <coughs> excuse me, um, gives off a shimmering light. Well, it gives off a shimmering light because if you look at the ISS, you've got these huge solar panels, and these panels are coated in gold, and uh, they are reflecting moonlight, sunlight, shooting stars, meteorites. Um, they're shimmering in the space winds um, the, the, you know, through the movement of the ISS. So when you see this bright, shimmering object, multicolored, going across the sky in a lower altitude, you're looking at the ISS. But boy, I'll tell you, you could also be looking at a couple hundred UFO reports. <laughs> oh, for sure. And just to update that, Eric is saying that a lot of these reports have come in in the last 48 hours that he's finding. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it, look, it, uh, it pops up every now and then. The Great Space Invasion is kind of like the government's going to tell us. Every time we get a new president, this president's going to tell us all about disclosure. He's going to tell us what the government knows, where we have the UFOs hidden, the aliens are amongst us. Reptilians are real, and you can go on and on and on and on and on. I and many others will say to you this: you will never get disclosure because they already gave you disclosure with Project Blue Book. Project Blue Book, although it was a big debunk and swamp gas and all the other garbage, but there's one thing about Project Blue Book: a lot of people don't really look at, maybe because they haven't read it or they didn't understand what they were reading. But there are 1,534 unsolved UFO sightings in Project Blue Book that the government says are unsolved. We don't know what they are. And um, so, um, actually, when was the last time anybody heard the government debunk a UFO sighting? They don't. They don't even talk about it. But why is the FAA... The and not the government in charge of receiving UFO reports from pilots. Look, we know they're up there. They know they're up there. Uh, what they're doing, who they are, why they're up there. They've been here for a long, long time. Um, did, did they have some kind of interaction with ancient civilizations? Yeah, possible. Um, are some of the hieroglyphics in the Egyptian temples that now match up to helicopters and planes that we fly today. Are we them? Are they us? I mean, you know, you can go back and forth on that battle for years, but as far as the government making disclosure, not going to happen because they'd have to admit to lying for the last, what, 55 years? And they're not going to admit that. And, uh... I mean, disclosure uh, is whatever people want to make it, and um, I think I think it's already been told. I mean, look, uh, 
people see stuff. I've seen stuff. I'm sure a lot of people on your uh, on your on your uh, station right now have seen a lot of stuff in the sky they can't they can't explain. Uh, but just you know, it's simple mathematics. When you go from see something that goes from horizon to horizon in less than a second and a half, and it's zigzagging or it's turning colors as it's going. Nobody on this planet has anything that can do that. First of all, to go from horizon to horizon, and these things have been clocked at 50, 60, 70,000 miles an hour. We don't have anything that goes that fast. And then they'll stop and make a right turn. Do you know what would happen to a pilot at 30,000 miles per hour? At 10,000 miles per hour that would stop and turn? You'd pick him up with a sponge. And, you know, I still think there's a possibility that, yeah, they played a part in, in the civilization as we know it now. I mean, it's it's just goofy. I, I mean, you know, it's it's. I just don't think it's going to happen. Do you think, though, that of all those aircraft that are flying in the sky and a UFO is an aircraft... How much of that is actually our technology, in your opinion, compared to others? I think uh, a lot of what we see is our technology. Look, the U-2 was flying since the 50s. People didn't know about the U-2 until the late 60s. Um, there have been many planes and, and rockets used that were flying in the 50s and early 60s that people didn't know about in the 70s, 80s, and sometimes the 90s. Uh, technology that was not shared, and you know, it wasn't. It was shared, not shared for a reason. They, you know, they didn't want the enemy to get that kind of information and know what we had. And I think they have stuff flying now that uh, you know these this ups this upturn of triangles all of a sudden in the last uh, four or five years. I mean, they're big, they're black. Could they be a drone? Absolutely. Why not? Could they be? Um, uh, the manta ray shapes that are being seen could just be just be another development of a different type of drone. I mean, they can do stuff with drones from guys sitting down in Florida and they're flying this thing over, you know, Afghanistan or someplace else, and the guy's sitting in a chair in in, in Florida, stateside, and he's flying this thing all over the world. Uh, so, um, the ones that like the Belgium Triangle. Uh, that case, that now that to me is probably a good one because uh, the photograph that was taken in that day, there was no technology for that. Uh, it was a good photograph. Nobody could debunk it. I mean, it was a 35 millimeter. It wasn't digital. Um, it had that triangle shape, but not like today. The ones that today, they're a true triangle. And some are very fast moving, and some are extremely slow moving. So... If they're if they if they were being jet propelled like some of the drones are, they're going to be a fast mover. And if they're propeller driven like some of the drones are, then they're going to be very slow. And you're not going to see the propeller not from that height. I mean, at, at five thousand feet, you wouldn't see a propeller on a plane. If it had five of them, you wouldn't see it. So, um, and um, it's funny that all these uh, drones are only kept at you know like four or five different bases throughout the United States that where they're de being developed um and you know when the youtube was developed <laughs> I, I mean those planes were uh on a drawing board and, and they were they were in comic books they were in cartoons 
uh, people even, didn't even know they existed, but they were up flying for years and years and years. So in your opinion, what replaced the SR-71? Um, what is the new one? Um, the Aurora? Yeah, the Aurora, yeah. But all they did there was, you know, they took a good platform and just made it better. You know, uh, stealthier and all that stuff. Um you know, look at the bomb. Look at the B one bomber. I mean, uh, the ty- that type of a flying wing technology was back in nineteen thirty nine, forty, forty one, somewhere like that. And the Germans had it. The Wunderwaffen were flying those planes with jet engines, flying wing. Then we tried the flying wing in the early fifties, but it was propeller driven. And then that, that didn't work out too well because it wasn't stable, so they went to the, the jet-powered. And then that dropped by the wayside, and, you know, it, just, it was there, and then it wasn't anymore. And next thing you know, you got flying wings all over the place. The technology's always been there. It's just that it's been hidden, or it's been in a different... Um, uh, the Abracar, I mean, that was built in Canada. It was built in Canada for a reason. They didn't want to get out in this country that they were trying to build a flying saucer. Now, the Abracar didn't work out too well. Um, I think it only got like eight foot off the ground, and it was propeller-driven, you know, a turbo-propeller-driven, wasn't too stable, and they didn't dare put jets in it because they almost killed the two pilots there in the first one. So, But even that area where the Abracar was built, and I can't think of the name of that Canadian military base, that doesn't even exist anymore. That's gone. That's just the whole base is just gone. All you go there and find now is trees. So when you look at the technology that is happening, you mentioned you don't think disclosure is going to happen. I like I like Dennis's comment here at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Disclosure equals class action lawsuits. Do you see all hell in a handbasket breaking through if that happens? Oh my God! It would it would affect everything. It would affect religions. It would affect academia. It would affect the military. I mean, it would affect the general populace. I mean, it would affect everything. Class action lawsuits. That would be like, whew. we don't have that many lawyers, thank God. But yeah, that's true. It would affect everything. Uh, no, we, nobody would believe. I mean, after if that was all came out that all this stuff was actual. There were aliens living here. There were men in black. There was this, that, and the other. Nobody would believe anything, ever. I mean, ever. The government could say whatever they wanted to, and nobody would pay any attention. Academia would be shot in the ass because they'd be proved to be liars. Uh, Religions, the same thing. Especially if they said, well, the aliens actually built the pyramids and, you know, they built the Great Wall of China and they built this and they built that. Uh, they, 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 they built the, uh, in South America, all these um, uh, pyramids in South America and the different tribes. Uh, they were all controlled by aliens or they were aliens. I mean, that's, that's your brain would explode. So everything you've ever learned or were taught you just throw out the window because there's no proof to it or no truth to it. And that would be probably the way it would end up. (laughs) 
I guess the way I'm looking at it is when I look at disclosure happening, and I don't think it's a good idea, even though I, I do want to see what happens. Curiosity would kill this cat, you know. But the lawsuits in general, I think you would have a lot of suicides. I just don't, I, I think you would have a lot of people going into an anarchist type mode. I mean, we see what's happening right now in countries when people aren't getting what they want you know they seem to be terrorizing absolutely everything we i think the biggest issue though not to make this a whole religious context or anything but people turning their back on religion and seeing what all these different religions would have to say about it i mean let's remember there's over five thousand religions on this planet and you know to hear what they would say or how they would try and and cover it up, or something along those lines. I mean, we could be in some grave danger if all of a sudden religions come out and say, well, what we think is God isn't real. We've been fooling you for literally thousands of years. You know, it could open up a Pandora's box, I guess is what I'm saying, and there's no end to it. And it could it could really really do more harm than good if we were to find out that disclosure is true that we have had alien contact for centuries. And well, we... back in December of this year, uh, I'm sorry, of 2016, you had the Pope say that full alien disclosure from the Vatican is just a few months away from the Vatican Observatory. They were going to. Uh, hinted, uh, and he's done it multiple times in the past, and so has pretty much every pope, that the earth has been visited by aliens and has, you know, promised full public disclosure at some point in the future. Has it happened? No. I mean, the last pope said it, the pope before him said it, the pope before him said it. I mean, everybody says it, and then people get, they kind of relax about it, you know, like, oh, finally it's going to happen. Then they forget about it, and before you know it, another year or two has gone by, and somebody else brings it up, and it starts all over again, all over again. The Disclosure Project, that's been going on since, oh my God, the 70s. Elaine Douglas, uh, Stephen Bassett, I mean, these are people that have been pushing Disclosure for eons. Now, Elaine's dead, Steve's still at it, but... There's good people trying to get the answer out, and they're not getting anywhere. And they've spent tons of money, tons of money. And um, the X conferences that Steve was putting on, and and the uh, the panels that he was putting together to go before you know senators and congressmen, and you know everybody said, oh yeah, we'll look into it. I think you're on the right track here. We'll make sure this happens. And that's the last you hear of it. It's gone. And then, you know, a year or two will go by and something else will pop up and here we go again. We're all going to gung-ho and go after this and we're going to get the answers. And it's just not going to happen. I guess when I look at it, you know, when it comes to the whole religious aspect of it, and the more so the governmental aspect, the fact that we could catch organized religion lying about mm-hmm. this governments lying about this i mean there's a lot of witch hunts no pun intended that could go on if we find out that let's say the the six living presidents all knew about this or that you know 
governments have known about this for years and been suppressing their citizens in what's supposed to be a free country. You know, what about people who are alien abductees? Do they now have lawsuits because the government knows about this? What about the de- the so-called deal that Ike made back in the 50s, a, uh, Humans for Technology? Does that come into play? You know, there's so many different ways that this could go. It could literally destroy, I mean, let's look at your country for a second. It could destroy the United States oh, yeah. be- because of all the secrets that would come out over that because once you let it once you open that box there's no turning back you can't just give a little bit because the questions are going to be having to be answered and literally the way i look at it not trying to be a negative nancy or or a fearmonger but this decision if or is true okay which i think it is we could literally be looking at disclosure ruining the United States. Oh, I think it would light a fuse that would go around the world. I, 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 I think it would affect every country, every, uh, every known civilization, every type of people, everywhere. Uh, if you said to the Egyptians that everything that's out there in the desert, the pyramids and stuff like that, were built by aliens, Wow. Or you said to the people in South America that there was no such thing as the Incas. They were aliens. Boom. I mean, you can go to every country and do that. Uh, it, it, it would be devastation, pure devastation. And um, But I, I'm just falling back on, uh, you know, over all these many years, I've seen so much talk of it. it's going to happen next week, it's going to happen next month, it's going to happen next year, it's going to happen when we get a new president. Kennedy knew about it, that's why he was killed. Um, his brother Bobby knew about it, that's why they killed him. Uh, this president, or this guy over in wherever was assassinated because he knew about UFOs, or, you know. But until some president gets up on a stage and peels off the human-looking face and stands there as a reptilian, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> and that's probably what it's going to take. No, and I fully understand and agree with you on that. But the reason why I'm pointing my finger at the United States isn't be anything to do with the country, per se, okay, because I'm a big fan of the U.S. You have two of my favorite things there, Las Vegas and Disneyland. And, <laughs> you know, never mind all, all the women on the beaches. You know, I, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with football as well. But I guess the way I I look at things is, if it were to come out, Butch, and let's be hypothetical here for a second. If it were to come out that back in the 50s, that Ike did make a deal, extraterrestrials, technology, for humans and Mm -hmm. animals. Mm -hmm. In your opinion, what kind of Pandora's box does that open? And have Big you, as a as an investigator, ever taken the time to really delve into that thought? Uh, yeah, um, I have, and I got to meet one of the fellows that was at that Air, at Holloman Air Force Base the day that happened. Unfortunately, he passed away from cancer two years ago. He's a great guy, but he swore and declared. He said it happened. He said that was it. He said two craft came down, the plane landed. Everybody was told to look away from that section of the field. He said I was in a he was a, a medic. He was in a different section of the building where he could look and nobody would ever see him. 
And he said, I saw what I saw. That's it. He said he was there. He went on that ship. He came off that ship with a couple officers, and they took off, and then he took off, and that was the end of it. And the story was when they couldn't find him, he was out playing golf in California. And um, all the flight logs for the day were destroyed. Uh, he said, you know, the whole rah, rah, rah thing. So uh, he was a, a fervent believer in if that was the deal, uh, it was going to be humans and, and animals for research and in exchange for technology. Okay, but then, you know, when you think about technology, look at how far technology has come in just the last, say, 40 years. You got not only microwave ovens, you got convection ovens. You've got uh, you can throw out your television set, your computer, uh, your your stereo system, your whatever. Throw it all away and go down to the local store and buy yourself a new Samsung Galaxy that does all that. A phone. Can you imagine the technology that they have that we don't even know about yet? And that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. Th- that is the whole point. You know, how many of these be- deathbed confessions, like we heard Ben Rich saying before he passed away, that mankind doesn't even know that we are 800 years advanced in technology. Mm-mm. Yeah, that, you know. That's scary. You know, when, he, when, 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 when Ben said that, you know, uh, we can do anything. We can go to any planet. We have the wherewithal and the knowledge and the devices to do it. I mean, why would that guy be lying? <laughs> you know, uh, they weren't going to kill him off. He was already on his way out, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see like we always do. It always seems like we wind up doing that, doesn't it? So in the end, is it safer to to say that disclosure shouldn't happen out of the safety of the citizens of the earth or vice versa? No, I, I think that's the main reason why it's not going to be disclosed. I mean, they just, they're fearful, they're fearful of what the people will do. Look, people have been pretty complacent for the last 30, 40 years. You know, they anything the government said, they bought, you know. Uh, from wars to uh, uh, budgets that failed, um, uh, failure to take care of uh, uh, the medical things, uh, runaway prices with vehicles and uh, medicines and whatever. Um, You know, I spent 15 days in the hospital two years ago for an issue, and I saw that bill. Now, it didn't cost me anything because I have insurance, but the bill was $85,000. And I didn't get any food for 15 days. I didn't get any water. I didn't get anything because it was in, uh, a liver, I mean, a, um, a pancreatitis and a couple other things, so I couldn't have anything. So they didn't even feed me for 15 days, and my bill was 85000 I could have went to the biggest Hilton on this planet and lived like a friggin' king for a third of that money for 15 days. And, you know, this... It would be amazing if, like I said, 
you know, a president or somebody would get up on a stage and peel off their mask and they'd be standing there as a reptilian or a gray and saying, uh, well, look, we got something we got to tell you guys. You may not be happy. Then again, you may be happy. But all the advances in the last 40 years just tells you something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, who would have thought that you could carry all those things that you had as a child? Your record player, your telephone, your television set, your stereo system, your your uh, your mail, your books, uh, everything in a little device that fits in your pocket. And they advance them every year. Every year something new comes out. They get better and big, or smaller and better and faster. And um, it's... It, there has to be somebody giving somebody some information or has given somebody some information or the man was right. We're 800 years ahead in technology and we're just putting it out there sparingly. <sighs> cancer? It's to be a fly on the wall, right? Fly yeah, on and, the wall. It's like cancer, these, these uncurable diseases, whether it's an infant in a womb or it's a, an elderly person uh, with Alzheimer's or cancer or uh, 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 look, look at prosthetic limbs. They got prosthetic limbs now where a guy who's, you know, had a back broke or whatever the case is, can't move, can't do anything. Now they put him in an exosuit and he can get up and he can walk along with you in the park. And they say in the next two years they'll have that suit that developed, that lightweight, that he'll be able to ride a bicycle next to you on a path. Well, and you won't know so. the difference. And, you know, if it was all mankind and it was the benefit, you know, to benefit people with all these issues, whether it's a child in the womb or whether it's an older person with Alzheimer's, and if we ever found out that they had all this technology for years, it's going to be a nasty day. I mean, if they think that when the kings and queens over in France were lined up and taken out to the guillotine, whew, that's going to be like a Sunday school picnic. Mm -hmm. I have a question from Eric coming in. Different Eric this time. Okay. We call this one the preacher. Oh. He, is, he is asking, Butch, do you know anyone who has ever gone to the Donner Party site to do an investigation? And if you're unfamiliar or listeners like me who are way too Canadian or unfamiliar with it, it's a famous tragedy. The party of early settlers got bad advice about crossing the Continental Divide on their way to California, ended up snowed in, and then eating each other. They sure did. <laughs> uh, there was, uh, a matter of fact, I think that documentary is still up. There's a documentary on YouTube that I think was done by National Geographic. So it's a little over an hour long, and it's called The Donner Party. And uh, it's uh, pretty good. It tells you, you know, what happened, what they found out. It was investigated by a number of groups. Uh, not so much paranormal. As, I mean, actually, you know, police and that kind of stuff. And... Um, um, and I, I never followed up on it because I've seen it many years ago, but there was one member of the party that was never, ever found, ever. They don't know what happened to him or where he got to. And uh, the site, um, 
the site of the um, where the where some of the bodies were found. And you know, when you look at that, and you look at the Argentina Argentine soccer team that wound up on the mountain, um, wound up eating eating their buddies to stay alive. Uh, cannibalism goes back a long time, and it, and it's not so much that it's in those days. I mean, there's uh, sailors at sea uh, recently that you know four sailors got in a boat and only two come home. Um, and they, you know, they finally break down. Says, "You know, well, we ate them." You know, um, the diet loft incident—that's another one. That—that uh, that still fascinates me. I keep looking at stuff like that for, uh, for the for that particular incident all the time, hoping that there's going to be some new information. Um, because um, the reason, you know, the 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 actual cause of death was just stupid. Uh, you know, an unknown force. That's crazy. What's an unknown force? And the condition of the bodies, the, where they were found. But uh, the Donner Party is quite a story. I mean, uh, that documentary is pretty neat. I mean, they really go from day one, how it started, you know, how they were getting ready to go, and they got all the bad information about the weather and the past and all that stuff. And it's amazing that if they would have, what did it say in the documentary, if they would have dropped 60 miles south of where they were trying to cross, they would have they would have made it. But uh, they stuck by the map and they stuck by the route and that's what happened. Kind of a sad story. It really is. It really is. We had uh, a gentleman you might want to talk to. He's an author. He's done two books on the Dietlaub Pass. And he's he believes it was some sort of military testing that caused them to go absolutely crazy. And that's how they died. He doesn't believe it's anything alien or supernatural like the Yeti or anything like that. I think it was military. You do too, I think right? the military was probably testing something and it got out of control or they just used them as test dummies that's still a weird story though I mean a lot of the things that um, that happened there are just so odd you know like the tongue being ripped out you know injuries to the body that look like they've been, you know, shattered on the inside, but not a bruise on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, don't. Even, I don't even know what would cause that. I mean, when you're crushing ribs and bone and breaking bone, you know the outside takes the brunt of it first before the bone snaps. Mm-hmm. But you have all this interior damage on that on those bodies, and there's no exterior damage. You're going like, uh, what's that all about? <laughs> But that's, it, it's a fascinating case. I mean, it's one of those cases where, you know, the first time you read it, you go like, oh, man, that really sucks. And then you read it a second time where you start to go back and read certain parts of it, and you go like, oh, wait a minute, how'd that happen? You know, what's up with that? And, of course, you know, uh, the autopsy uh, reports be, being missing and, and uh, you know, the lead investigator on the case, while the case is active on the scene, he decides to, like, no, I don't want no parts of this. And he backs out, and then the military takes over. 
Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's weird, and you know, uh, as far as military involvement, yeah, I'd, I'd vote for that one. Yeah, I'm still not sure. I'm still not fully convinced. Yeah, especially when the cause of death is like um, uh, they died from an from a um, unknown force. Well, what the hell is that? A tornado? That's known. A uh, rocket? That's known. Bomb blast? That's known. So, what are you talking about here? But that's weird. It, it really is a weird case. It, it, it's almost like there. It was some sort of shock wave or something that just crushed everything around. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, they could have heard something coming, and that's why they bolted out of the tent instead of going out the doorway. They went out the side. Um, they took off in all different directions. They didn't stay together. Um, the one guy runs into a tree in the night and fractures his skull. He runs into in, runs into a tree, fractures his skull, and the skin's not broken. Mm-hmm. Hell, I hit my head in the cabinet a couple weeks ago, and I was bleeding like a stuck pig. little itty-bitty scratch. And black and blue for a week. I understand. Uh, as someone who is injury-prone, I fully understand with that. <laughs> yeah, I fall into that category, too. Don't feel bad. If, if, if there's any way I can hurt myself doing something silly and stupid or just plain everyday things, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you. I lost, I lost count of stitches, broken bones, and all that stuff many years ago. Let me ask you this, as we only got about uh, three and a half minutes left with you tonight, my friend. What's on your agenda for Euro 4 Comp coming up here? Well, of course, the distortion case, uh, that's right on top. We got another case up in the Duncannon area along the Juliana River at um, a, um, a river house where a lady was taking pictures of her five-year-old granddaughter, and... Um, inadvertently took a picture of, of something standing in the woods, a uh, matter of fact, something tall and something short standing in the woods, and off to the side, another five of the tall standing in the woods. She said, I don't know what a, uh, uh, what a um, Bigfoot looks like. She said, all I know is these things were standing on the other side of the creek. She grabbed up on the daughter and took off. Wow. Mm. That sounds like one right up my alley. Mm. So I took the preliminary report, I believe it was uh, Thursday, last Thursday, and we have another case out in uh, above the Tuscarora State Park, which is in our Lycan Loop. I'm going to try to put the two together because I can drive to one and keep going another 25 miles. I'll be at the other one. So right now it's just really logistics and, um, you know, see what we can come up with there. We'll have to do that. And in the UFO field, anything happening there? Uh, still working on that one case. Um, uh, the guy's got a great picture of a triangle, and it's right where I've had other triangle sightings. But his is really clear, really well taken care of. He braced himself when he took the picture. It's not fuzzy. And I tried to take it apart, and I can't. And um, 
Right now, I'm just waiting for an addition onto one program I have that'll allow me to take it and blow it up to two thousand percent without distortion. Right now, I can go to about a thousand, and then I'll get distorted. But this should be able to take me up to two thousand percent, which will really probably put me on top of it, and I can really take a good look at what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. I'll do that. Plus, we got we got you know the the cases that come in on a daily basis almost. And um, um, a couple neat conferences coming up uh, that we'll be attending. Lon and I will be attending. Um, working on a couple cases for some outside investigate outside investigators that aren't involved with us, but you know we know them. We've worked with them in the past, and we're helping them out because the cases are close to us, and they don't have to travel halfway across the state to get to them. And uh, then we got some. Um, Stuff going on up in uh, north central Pennsylvania, uh, more northeast. It's uh, within the Lichen Loop, but strange uh, sounds coming out of the forest. And uh, that report was uh, put out by uh, one current police officer, no matter he's the head of a SWAT team, and the other police guy is a chief that retired. And um, we're going to try to get together a uh, town hall up there and see if we can get some more. Um, people to come forward if they've heard these sounds um, and take it from there. On that note, my friend, it's time for me to say goodnight to you and we will see you again on March 27th, the last Monday of March. Butch Witkowski from UF4Cop.com. Thank you once again for being with us, buddy. Uh, Always a pleasure, you know that. Absolutely. You hold on here. I'm going to wrap this thing up. If you're listening in on the Space Out Radio side, you are listening to Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal. He is our official music of this show. He rocks us in and takes us out every single night with a little Brother Is Watching song. Love this one. Tomorrow night on the show, David Weatherly joins us. We wrap up the month talking cryptids and black-eyed kids. It's going to be a good one, 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time. It's when we fire this bad boy up at spacedoutradio.com. Make sure you click on our links. Make sure you share them. Make sure you spread the word of Spaced Out Radio because we are everywhere on TuneIn, on Patreon, TalkStream Live, Stitcher, Spreaker, iTunes, and, of course, our website, spacedoutradio.com. Thank you all for joining us tonight. It's been a lot of fun. I appreciated this. i got to tell you, I was in the doldrums today, but you guys brought me out of it. Thank you so much. That's what I love about all of you. We'll do it again in exactly 21 hours from now. I hope you take the time to join us as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Ozzy Andy in Australia, make sure you let us know how tomorrow is. Because I always got to know, you live in the future down there. So let us know if we survive tomorrow. We'll talk to you all tomorrow night. Have a good one. I am out. Mr. Bumblefoot, take us home.